0: hello there welcome back faithful viewers and listeners to another episode of the silver screen podcast apologies we've been away for a few weeks but we are basically going to be here every week uh, for the next sort of six weeks leading towards the end of the year with different uh, different reviews and that starts right here if you're familiar with us as you'll know we tend to do appropriate reviews to things that are currently in the zeitgeist things that are being released and so in today's episode we are going higher further and faster with a review of captain marvel Uh, of course because the movie the marvels is either imminently about to release when you hear this or might have already released depending on where you are sometimes they get preview screenings and things so we are here to discuss that Excuse me, but as usual, I can't uh, do this on my own. I am, of course, Mike, your usual regular host. I'm not joined by co host DK this week, but don't worry. We have uh, a couple of great guests uh, coming to fill in that slot. First of all, uh, please welcome back from all of our geeky things, including reviews of Flashpoint Paradox, top 10 Marvel movies, and such. Welcome Toby back to the podcast. Hi. Happy to be typecast. (laughs) <laughs> well we always put a list of which films you'd like to talk about and you usually jump straight on the uh, the nerdy stuff which you know yeah. i can't comment <laughs> well the diversity so,
1: is coming let's just say that.
0: <laughs> yes yeah all right we've got plans we've got plans and uh, we are joined today by a first-time guest so uh always good to introduce new people to the podcast so please welcome all the way from the usa uh, welcome laura to the podcast laura welcome
2: <laughs> hi thanks for having me
0: And it's Laura Smith-Bree, is that right? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Right, well, yeah, without further ado, I'm just going to jump into it because I wanted to do a quick sort of getting to know you with Laura and a quick catch-up with Toby. So I'll start with that. And uh, we'll begin with you, Laura, and say, so this is your first time on the podcast. uh, So I have to ask a pretty big and potentially annoying question, which is what kind of films do you like? Do you have any favourites? And uh, do you have a particular favourite movie, maybe?
2: Oh, how can you pick just one? Um, I know, right? <laughs> but I mean, I think of sometimes like age groups. So, like, my favorite kid movies are probably like Beauty and the Beast and Wizard of Oz, and um, okay. like, there's a lot of teen ones. Um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, Breakfast Club come to mind. Okay. Um, and then, um, you know, um, actually, the movie we're talking about today is on on the list of some of my favorites. Uh, and of Ooh. course, I love Avengers. 2012 the hmm. first one as well yeah. so that's a bit about me and my favorite movies
0: so you're something of a geek as well so you're in good company with me and toby i guess <laughs> i am <laughs>
2: awesome. True. awesome proudly
0: and uh, <laughs> i know that we keep in touch via discord and everything toby so i kind of know what you've been up to so other than sort of like me listening to taylor swift <laughs> what <laughs> have you been doing and what have you been watching perhaps since we last spoke
1: Oh wait, when did we last
0: spoke? <laughs> oh, from on the podcast, it was months and months ago. I just mean like, yeah, what we've been up to right. in the last few weeks. <laughs> I
1: don't know what did I watch in the last few weeks. Hunting in Venice, I watch. I really like. Oh, okay, I guess that get, that that counts. Um, what else yeah, did I, watch? Uh, I know you watch a lot I'm of anime. Has there been any of that? Or <laughs> I'm I'm going Tuesday to watch the new Conan movie. That's upcoming. The new um, which movie, sorry? Conan. Detective Conan.
0: Oh, okay, got you. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: <laughs> and what yeah. did... That looks oh, the creator I watched. I
0: watched because you kind of forced me to. <laughs> well, I didn't force you. I recommended it and then immediately regretted it because I saw the mixed reviews and you did not like it.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I watched lately. Oh, and our Buffy marathon. How could I forgot?
0: Of course, forget yeah. Yes, uh, your first time round watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer because you bought the, yeah. the box set. So well, no, I just got you and Adrian are currently uh, talking about Buffy that you're going through for the first time. Well, so, Adrian is it's, it's interesting. outpacing me by a lot. Oh, yeah, well, she is the binge queen. She, <laughs> you've got yeah. no chance of keeping up with her.
1: <laughs> like she, she also went through power just in, like, what, a week or something.
0: <laughs> <And> then... <laughs> Only one season's worth. But, yeah, she, just, she goes through everything. I mean, she went through the entire two long seasons of the U.S. uh, version of Ghosts in like three days. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Something like that. Wow, okay. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, So, yeah, I wanted to kind of get into some specific questions related to the film that we're going to talk about. So, again, apologies if these are big particular questions (laughs) and uh, feel free not to answer if you don't want to. Uh, But, Laura, we'll come to you first. I have to ask, do you have a particular favourite MCU film and a particular favourite female-led superhero film?
2: um well um when it comes to favorite mcu film i would say avengers 2012 it just it was so magical when that you know was released in the theaters and i mean nothing has really topped it for me um i just loved seeing those characters coming together and i thought it was so well done um but yeah so and then female-led mcu projects i mean i'm gonna have to go with captain marvel yeah, Yeah.
0: Well, it wouldn't have to be MCU, I mean, you could you could always you know mention Wonder Woman or, I don't know, maybe yes. you're a fan of Electro Catwoman or something, <laughs> who knows?
2: I mean, Wonder Woman was just brilliantly done as well, right? Like, that's a great film. Um, mm. I mean, I almost have no, I would almost have no notes for that one, that's how well done it is. Though so I guess yeah. kind of long, maybe, I don't know. But you don't really feel like that when you're in this story, so. But yeah, I love Wonder yeah. Woman as well.
0: kind of a sad state of affairs that i can say like what's your favorite female-led superhero movie and you could probably count the sheer amount there is on maybe two hands at most and most of them are unfortunately quite dreadful (laughs) but uh, yeah right
2: Right. like honestly black widow would have been a great a like possibly my top but it would have needed to come out at a different time it was like i knew too much about black widow for that film you know
0: yeah i enjoyed it i thought it was good but uh oh i definitely enjoyed it yeah, it suffered from bad timing and, you know, well, not just bad timing in terms of it was way too late in the MCU, but also bad timing because COVID and everything. So, yeah, just a very cursed film, I think. Um, fair enough. And what about you, Toby? Do you, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but do you have a favourite MCU film and a favourite female-led superhero film, maybe? I
1: mean, we did the another top ten, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> that was really dumb of me, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, my favorite uh, MCU movie is still the first Doctor Strange. Yeah, awesome. Nothing something has topped it since. Uh, favorite female-led superhero movie? I mean, you already said it, there are not a lot. A lot of. No. I mean, if I mean, if we if we count Birds of Prey as a superhero movie because it's of all course, of yeah, yeah. I love Birds of Prey, so I'm think I'm yeah. gonna choose this Wonder Woman. Yeah, I mean, I have issues with. The end twist, like a lot of <laughs> Yeah.
0: The ending is a bit of a letdown, yeah. Not so much I, the twist, I, but also the fact that it just becomes a CGI slugfest at the end, which is a shame.
1: What annoys me about that is that I think before the twist, the ending was perfect, picture perfect, mm. ended here, everything's nice, yeah. and it's like, we need another twist. I'm like, do we? We don't. Uh, <laughs> Captain Marvel... I'm not gonna spoil that. Um, no, I that's we're watch... talk about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually yeah, haven't on... watched the second Wonder Woman yet.
0: Oh, I, I I'm one of the very few people that likes that movie. I do actually have the uh, the 4K on my shelf, but yeah, I, mean, I'm I can't necessarily recommend it because nobody else seemed to like it. It <laughs> uh, so, has yeah.
2: good moments.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. I like sure. a lot of them. I mean, the, the the set pieces, the fight in the mall, and the invisible jet and things are really cool. So I think people forget that because they always just look at the really bad moments and iffy things. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> so,
1: yeah. Uh, relate to that is,
0: then. Black Widow is it's it's
1: okay. It's good. It's fine. It's solid. So Birds of Prey is for me.
0: That's fair enough. No, of I definitely would count because, I mean, as much as I got annoyed that Harley Quinn was centred in that film, I've always been a huge fan of those comic book characters and Huntress, Black Canary. Those are heroes, you know. So, um, Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Uh, So as I was saying related to that, I did want to move on to ask, uh, how familiar are you? And again, we'll start with you, Laura, with the things that follow directly uh, up to this. Uh, from this, sorry, and leading up to the next movie, so I'm talking about things like Avengers Endgame, Vision, Miss Marvel. Have you seen all of those, and uh, are you excited for the Marvels?
2: I am excited for the Marvels, and I have seen all those things. <laughs> um, I don't know that I loved all those things, but um, I definitely have seen all of those things. Um, yeah, because, hmm. I mean, I've been watching everything Marvel puts out since 2008, so I haven't missed any. Awesome. Ever. Yeah. That was going to be I one have- of
0: my next questions. Yeah, that's much. cool.
2: Yeah, some things I haven't revisited very much. I realized I really need to watch Thor Dark World again because I've maybe only seen that one once. You know?
0: Yeah, not popular, but again, I quite enjoy it.
2: Love Loki in that. so.
0: Loki's great in everything. Loki season two is crushing it at the minute. Uh, I know. It's recording, definitely we still have two episodes. but
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> my favorite helmet.
0: Yeah, it's fantastic. No, I will say, if, if anybody's curious about my thoughts regarding that, I absolutely adore WandaVision. It's probably up there as my favourite MCU project or close to it. Um Did not care for Ms. Marvel, (laughs) unfortunately. Um, But I love the character, and I love the casting of that character. And obviously, I saw and loved Endgame, and I've seen, like you, I'm a big nerd. I've seen everything Marvel put out. Did not like Secret Invasion at all, I've got to say. I know that that supposedly sort of follows from this and feeds into the Marvels, but I'm hoping it won't be in a big way because that wasn't good, in my opinion. But uh,
2: Well, about the only thing I liked about Secret Invasion was the relationship between Nick Fury and Talos and then I mean I don't want to spoilers so um, Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And well was, there's a lot of that isn't
2: there. <laughs> I, I guess not the only thing. That one actress is really good. Um so maybe they'll bring her character back in something else.
0: Olivia um, Coleman, is that who you're thinking of?
2: Uh, yes, yes. She's also yes. great in it. But in Enough, general Olivia it, Not yeah, it was oh. hard to watch. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it wasn't the best. Anyway, uh, we're not yet to review that one, but yeah, Toby, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but you are, I'm guessing you're familiar with everything that follows on from Captain Marvel and leads up to the Marvels as well. I have
1: seen everything, yes, and I am not fatigued at all, and
0: people no, can
1: say what they want, I will eat it up, everything. <laughs> likewise, and I think, yeah, I think partially it's because I started so late watching the MCU, so I don't have that oh. long of a stretch of time like, like oh, wow. I, I think I already told the story 100 times but like before infinity war like two weeks before that I before that I haven't watched really a lot of MCU like some here and there but not in the context yeah. of ooh MCU but more of the context of oh it's a superhero movie yeah why not so yeah. I watched everything <laughs> in like two weeks
3: like that's fair. that's also weeks. weird
1: and, and it That's, was I, because yeah. of the time I watched it on my small phone.
0: Oh, good <laughs> Lord. You're breaking my heart, Toby. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and not really oh. a small phone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Such great pieces on Back a when phone. I had my old phone, it was really small. I have a different one now.
0: It was well, the uh... iPhone
1: SE. So, you know, if you know how small that one is,
0: it's very small. <laughs> I know that nowadays, though, you're like me, you've kind of upgraded to the watching things in 4K kind of club anyway, Yeah, so.
1: I have a new
0: 4K television, and I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Which I also yeah. watched this
1: movie on with the IMAX version. It was perfect.
0: Uh, I watched it on the 4K from the season, uh, from the Phase 3, I should say, box set as well. <laughs> First time I've watched the 4K disc instead of the Blu-ray. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. Talking about the stuff leading up to the Marvels, Um Marvots, WandaVision... I am with you. I love Vision a lot. It's probably my favorite of the Disney Plus shows, but Loki
0: Season 2, it's really giving a run for its money. I really love Loki Season 2. I think Uh, a lot of that might be, though, because we've had so many disappointing or just (laughs) lackluster ones leading up to it that we were just like, oh, thank God, you can still make good shows. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: Miss Marvel, it's a mess.
1: I think... It's, it's like three seasons in cramped into one. it's like
2: exactly so much is
1: going on like, focus on one story, not everything. Two episodes it, it
2: were brilliant. I loved like how they would show her doodling the artwork and like it related to the mm. comics. like yeah. it was so it, it seemed like it was heading in such a great direction and then it was like, oh, we're gonna put way too much in this season in case we never get another Miss Marvel's. and it's like, what? no. <laughs>
0: Yeah. 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 It got very weird with time travel and, you know, the big reveal at the end that she's a mutant. I would say spoiler alert, but if you don't know that going into the Marvels, I'm guessing it'll be important. So. (laughs) Um, yeah.
1: Well, fair enough. So, it, it really felt like they were just trying to set up the Marvels as much as they could in six episodes. Oh. Like, we need to rush everything with her quickly because we need to... Even then,
0: though, they could have left some of the backstory stuff because, like I said, the whole traveling back in time to Partition would have been a yeah. season within itself. And then you also had the crazy, like, where did the bangle come from? This is now a whole other dimension. And there are evil people from this dimension to fight against. And, oh, we've also thrown in... Um, what is the the... Guys from Spider-Man, Damage Control, who are the bad guys that are chasing you this season. And it's like, pick a lane. Just pick one threat and one story you're following and let's go with that. And it could have been an
2: amazing top, top favorite show if they just stuck with like one real plot.
0: Yes, exactly. Mm. Yeah, uh, so I was just going to ask one last question before we jump into talking about Captain Marvel, which is how familiar are you with kind of the Marvel comics, particularly with uh, relation to this character? Are you Do you know the character well enough from those, or is it just the movies that you know uh, Carol Danvers from, Laura?
2: Oh, I've, I've only read maybe three Captain Marvel um, comics. Um, I really enjoyed them. I just – I really don't read as many comics as I should, you know? Um, I know yeah. I should – I guess Marvel has that where you can, you know, read all the comics or whatever. You buy their yeah, membership. I've
0: never signed up for it, but I keep getting, uh, you know, emails and things telling me to because they must see my online presence and think, come on, dude, you you have more people. Why have you not got this unlimited comics thing?
2: <laughs> exactly. So I'm sure one day I will, devil, you know, dive into it that way. But I have I've just read like three. So, yeah, so she was a very new character to me when the movie came out. Mm-hmm.
0: That's good. Just I think it's kind of nice to have that context going in to, to before we review this because it's, you know, it, it, some people have commented in the audience response that they didn't think it was a good adaptation of the way the character's backstory was in the comics or the way the character is. And I can't fully comment on that. Like, I know the character well enough, I have a couple of. Comics from going back to all the way. And I, I probably have more from the original Marvel, Captain Marvel, than, than you know, the Carol Danvers version. But I did get the the newer ones, the Kelly Sue Conic run and the G. Willow Wilson stuff, things like that. So I know enough about the character, but certainly not. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not claiming to be an expert, so I couldn't really say whether it was adapted well or not. But, uh, yeah, Toby, what about you? Are you familiar with the comics or no. is it just the movies? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you already know that
1: with marvel comics i just decided to not yet at this moment because i'm too invested in the mcu and don't want this tainted in any way um but you know (laughs) i already uh, read dc comics even though my yes. marathon of that has stopped for six months now, and I just can't <laughs> find the time to
0: pick it up again. Help! But well, you read an awful lot of anime and manga because every time you post, like, yeah. I've got a new set of books, and there's like a pile of about twenty you brought in.
1: <laughs> Too much. Too
0: much. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, just do like. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Just wait until I introduce you to the Buffy season 8 to 12 comics. Then you're really going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am to be
2: the Vampire Slayer fan, by the way. I'm glad that oh, you're watching. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. See, you are definitely our kind of people, then. This was a great uh, a great get, Alison, introducing you to us for the podcast, because we have very similar tastes, it seems. So <laughs> uh, Yeah, on the subject of that, then, I'm going to jump into the what I have for the behind the scenes section for this. I've had to do this myself this week. It would normally be DK's job, but as I said, he's not here. Uh, so apologies, I'm going to get geeky with some behind-the-scenes things. If you have anything you wanted to can, kind of say about it or you wanted to comment, please feel free to jump in, but otherwise I'll uh, I'll just try and get through it as best as I can. So I'll add some music to this in uh, in editing and post-production, and I'll just jump straight in if that's okay. So uh, the first thing I have to talk about, and again, sorry, this is going to get quite geeky, is the whole Captain Marvel Shazam debacle. Uh, If you aren't familiar with this, the first comic book character named Captain Marvel was introduced in 1939 and is the character that you probably know today as DC Comics' Shazam. He was the flagship character of Fawcett Comics. Fawcett was sued in 1941 by DC who alleged that Captain Marvel was just a copyright infringement of their character Superman. Uh, Successfully, they drove Fawcett's character out of print by 1953 when Fawcett's trademark on Captain Marvel fell into limbo after over a decade of disuse. Another company, MF Enterprises, attempted to introduce their own Captain Marvel in 1966, and Marvel Comics, the company in response, introduced their own Captain Marvel, in this case, the Cree Marvel, and successfully sued MF behind their use of the, the word Marvel in their title. Marvel Comics had obviously trademarked. When DC decided to revise the, revive the force of Captain Marvel in 1972, they learned via a 1974 cease and desist that they couldn't use Captain Marvel in the comic book's title because of Marvel's trademark. DC instead marketed the character under the name Shazam which was the name of their Captain Marvel's mentor and the magic word the character uses to access their powers as you probably know if you're a nerd like us. Uh, in order for Marvel to retain their trademark they had to publish Captain Marvel comic books but not being an especially popular money-making character marvel fulfilled this by publishing a series of one-off comics over us over a bunch of years and of course the title as we know has passed uh, passed from marvel to carol danvers as well uh, in 2012 carol danvers the former ms marvel and the lead character of this film acquired the mantle uh, dc decided to finally bite the bullet and fully rename their character to shazam Excuse me, rather than just having that be the title of the comic. uh, Ironically, a Shazam feature film was released in theatres a month after this Captain Marvel film. So, yeah, they seem to be forever linked, it seems. Did you guys know all of that really nerdy stuff for us at Newsdean? I actually (laughs) did. (laughs) yeah it's a pretty deep dive (laughs) bringing things back to the the film in question this film borrows some elements from roy thomas's 1971 kree scroll war comic book storyline though i will say as somebody who knows that storyline with some pretty significant changes um the film grossed over 1.1 billion dollars worldwide making it the first female-led superhero film to pass the billion dollar mark it became the fifth-highest-grossing film of 2019, and it was the 23rd-highest-grossing film of all time during its theatrical run. The film received generally positive reviews from critics, with praise for the performances of the cast, particularly that of Brie Larson. And this is all going to be information to a lot of angry nerds on the internet who claim that Disney must have bought out theatres because you couldn't possibly have a successful female comic book movie. The less said about that, the better, I think. <laughs> so, um the, uh, the Captain Marvel comic book writer Kelly Sue DeConnick <laughs> uh, makes a cameo appearance as a train station passerby which I actually had never noticed until uh, researching the movie for this podcast and now can't unsee as soon as she came in the movie I was like, oh there she is! <laughs> Kelly Sue DeConnick um, As you know, obviously Stan Lee the co-creator of Captain Marvel appears posthumously as himself as he had done in all of the previous MCU movies In the film, uh, he is memorising the lines for his cameo in the 1995 film Rats in a beautiful bit of uh, meta <laughs> moment, I guess. So, yeah, that was quite sweet. I was a big fan of Mole Rats and Kevin Smith and uh, someone familiar with that. It was a nice moment. Nice to see Carol kind of smiling at him in that scene as well. Um, uh, a realistic cat puppet was used on set to portray Goose, the character who was renamed because uh, they're known as Chewy in the comics after Chewbacca. Uh, they used a puppet because Brie Larson is apparently allergic to cats. So they
3: <laughs> that I've heard
0: um, Did not know that, but yeah, that's got to be unfortunate. (laughs) Anyway, um, Marvel Studios modified their production logo to honor Stanley, who sadly died in November on november the 12th 2018 by replacing the characters in the logo with lee's various mcu cameos the logo was followed by a black screen reading thank you stan Uh, kevin feige said this was done because the film was marvel's first since lee died and they wanted to start the film by acknowledging him with a celebration of his legacy rather than add a somber memorial to the end of the film which i thought was quite nice yeah um In the movie, this is my last bit of information, by the way, in the movie, uh, Carol busts through the the roof of a blockbuster video, signifying that we are in the 90s. Uh, She attacks a cardboard cutout of Arnold Schwarzenegger from True Lies. Uh, Originally, that was supposed to be Jim Carrey's character from The Mask, uh, which would have explained why she was attacking it. She would have mistaken it for a scroll, given the green face. Unfortunately, copyright issues prevented that from being the case. Uh, she does pick up a copy, noticeably, of The Right Stuff on video, which, if you're unfamiliar, is uh, a film that kind of relates a lot to Carol's backstory as an ace fighter pilot, shall we say, and uh, somebody working in that uh, that field. So, yeah, that's uh, all of the BTS stuff that I have behind the scenes for this week. Uh, anything uh, there that you guys were interested about or that you found fascinating or shocking?
2: Not really, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm good. I
2: fair, will say that, that, that Stanley opening... Um, I mean, I literally, cause I, I met Stanley in 2017, on oh, no um, on. um, and so that, that opening, I was crying, um, yeah. seeing only oh. images of him and the Marvel logo. So, um, it definitely was an interesting way to start a movie.
0: Yeah, it was very emotional. As somebody who's a big fan. And I wish I had met Stanley. Never, obviously, did get lucky enough. But uh, yeah, sad times, unfortunately. So- uh, with all that out of the way, then we're going to jump into the actual bulk of the review of the movie If you're unfamiliar, we basically break down for the purposes of trying to, f- uh, you know, just keep things moving Into sections like writing and plot, acting, direction, uh, visual effects, sound and music, etc But we don't have to stick rigidly to it if the conversation goes a particular way We'll just follow go with the flow of the conversation and take it from there and give everybody's thoughts on it So, uh, with that out of the way then, Laura... Uh, we'll come to you first as you're kind of the first, uh, the newest guest, shall we say, to things here. Do you have any initial uh, sort of thoughts on the movie overall? And what are your thoughts about like the writing and the way the plot was handled?
2: Um, I, I really liked it. It was, you know, Nick Fury is a character that I really like. So seeing him in a different era of his life was really awesome. Um, you know, for me, I mean, I'm very biased about this movie in general, I think, because, I mean, I was 11 years old in 95. So it's just Mm. full of nostalgia for me, like, you know, just everything I was dealing with in 95 was like somehow brought up in the movie, you know, um, with like the different music. And so um, I love how all those elements like help the plot.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's why I wanted to have like a female voice with us uh, talking about this movie because obviously that is a huge part of it, and uh, that I, I don't have that. I did have the experience of growing up in the nineties, but obviously not as a woman. So I figured that would, you know, it would be something we'd we'd ask how the film kind of handled that, and uh, did you feel like it represented that experience well and, and portrayed Carol as kind of a, a feminist hero, I guess? And uh, so, what are your thoughts on that, Laura?
2: I mean, I think it did. When you think of like what feminist, feminism was like in the 90s, and it was a little bit of a superficial feminism, uh, mm. and I'm not pronouncing that word right, but um, you guys get what I'm saying, but no, was, that was um, funny. but beca- so, so in that sense, it did. So, I don't know that it is in a, in a modern way necessarily the best representation of like female empowerment or female, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, but definitely. For 95, it's like, oh, that's exactly what it was like to, like, be a female and, like, want to be strong about being a female and, you know, loving just a girl, you know, celebrity skin. Like, these are waterfalls. Like, these are songs that were just part of that. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, I will get to talking about that later on. Uh, The the soundtrack, I think, is fantastic, and I love all of the songs, and uh, no coincidence that 99% of them are by female singers or female bands, bands with female lead singers, so as you said, like No Doubt, Garbage, whole uh, Republica all have songs that are songs that I loved back in the 90s that are part of the soundtrack. The only one exception that I noticed was at the very end of the movie, REM's Man on the Moon plays, which I figure is uh, to me at least still a nice little reference to, you know, Captain Marvel being a, an outer spacey cosmic type character. So at least that's what I thought about that. I heard,
2: uh, Nirvana's Come As You Are is in there too.
0: Of course, yeah. During the uh, Supreme Intelligence sequence, I always forget that. But yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, fair enough. What about you, Toby? Any sort of overall thoughts on the movie? Uh, what kind of how it hit you and uh, and the general writing and the plot of it?
1: I mean, I, I don't usually rewatch movies. You know that. Um, only for this, I do. So I was going, but I was going into knowing that I forgot everything about it. <laughs> which make this a, a, way more, a way more fun experience than just rewatching something I already know. So it was mm. really blank slate. I forgot everything about it. Like I knew roughly the setting and everything, but the rest was just, I didn't know about it.
0: So Had you only planning... seen it once before? Yeah,
1: yeah I only saw okay. it, when it when it
0: came out. I don't know. Ah, got you. Yeah, when it okay. came
1: out, obviously, yes. So, That's fair enough. Well, that was a while ago. so yeah. <laughs> It was a while um, ago. So cool. I was pleasantly surprised um, because I remembered not liking it that much. Like, not hating it, but just thinking it's okay. But you're watching it, I think it's quite good. I, I
0: really liked it. I wonder yeah. as well, and I did want to bring this up, so I may as well do it now. Um, I wonder if part of that is its placement within the MCU because I do think it was a mistake to put it between Infinity War and Endgame when really that was all we were as a a collective geek (laughs) culture, that's all we were focused on. So we kind of just wanted to get through Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel to get to Endgame at that point. And uh, I personally felt like it it was a disservice to the movie because, like I said, you were just kind of looking for any link to there. And, uh, yeah. Did you guys think similarly uh, about the, the placement in the MCU or not?
2: I definitely think that you're right, that the placement between those movies was an issue. Um, And, I mean, for me, I was able to, like, want, her falling into Blockbuster in 95 helped me because I was like, okay, this is, you know, just let this be what this is going to be. But not everyone is so quick and easy to do that, you know? Um, So yeah. I definitely think that impacted it because um, my one, probably my only complaint about this movie is kind of what Toby was saying, like, there is something somewhat forgettable about this movie. And I'm not sure if that was part of why or if there's other reasons. But even as someone who loves this movie, there is something slightly forgettable about it. And I'm not sure really what that's about.
0: Yeah, I kind of see what you mean. I don't really have the same exact sense of it because I quite like it and I've seen it a few times. But I do think part of, for me at least, part of the reason why it might come off like that is because it's the, like, what, 10th or 11th origin story we've had in the MCU by this point. So a lot of it is just kind of like yeah we know whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um so th- as much as Toby claims you know th- there's no such thing as the superhero fatigue and I agree I do think by this point we were just kind of like yeah let's just get the origin stuff over with and out of the way and move on and uh, like I said I think as much as people might not agree I think it was a mistake to end infinity war with the last post credit sequence being you know the pager and the captain marvel symbol because we were all waiting for how that would unite with Endgame and like I said it kind of made this movie seem like it was in a way insignificant other than like we have to introduce this character to you so you better know who she is by the time Endgame comes around and yeah like I said I think that that, that, again that was perhaps an issue of the way it was placed in the MCU because it's there's other origin stories that I think hit fine and you don't think like that um but yeah. And
2: anyway. honestly, if that was her goal, then I also think Captain Marvel should have been even bigger in Endgame as a character. Yeah,
0: oh, for sure. But I think it was more, and spoilers for Endgame if anybody hasn't seen it, I think it was more the fact that she's introduced so early, and she is the kind of deus ex machina that gets Tony and Nebula, but mainly Tony, obviously, back to Earth. So you kind of right. had to introduce her as, like, this is how we're solving this conundrum. Um, but yeah, it kind of did reek of, like, well, introduce the character earlier then you know, so that you don't have to literally spend the movie before saying, and this character is going to be important here is everything you need to know about her, uh, which I think, like I said, contributes to you just feeling like I can't really remember much about the movie because all it was was, here's Captain Marvel, now let's see what she can do. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> like I said, some people may disagree and like I, I do think, like I said, watching it now, uh, it's it hits kind of a lot better when you don't have that expectation that weight of of what's coming next and you can watch it on its own merit which which I did this time and was kind of like you know what i don't get a lot of the criticisms of this because it's to me it's it's not like you know groundbreaking brand new brilliant stuff but it's also no worse than you know 90% of the origin stories that we've had up to then um, and doesn't do anything that different other than the fact that the protagonist is female, which obviously rubbed some people up the wrong way. But uh, yes, how did you feel in terms of like, as an origin story, how do you think it hit you as, as a fan of these things, uh, Laura?
2: Oh, well, I mean, I certainly loved, um, like, I mean, that's one thing I think Brie actually did really great was like, this is a character who is trying to understand their own personality better and like yeah. her struggle with that of like um, recognizing how emotions are like part of part of who we are and they're powerful it's like i mean it, i think it was really well done it was beautiful i like that as part of the origin story um yeah yeah and i i loved her friendship you know and it as part of her <clears throat>
0: origin Oh, 100%, yeah. I I will say, for for me, I think one thing they did do quite well with that was that instead of it being a kind of linear, obvious origin story, we do basically start with Carol having her powers, and the origin is taught to us via sort of flashbacks, and we we unpiece that, or we put that puzzle together with the character, um, which gives it a slightly fresh dynamic to just, you know, opening, and we see, we literally begin with her as a child and then go to, having to fight her way through the ranks of the with the air force then we show the accident and whatever i prefer the way that it's done in a non-linear sense here um because it does like you said it gives you the chance to look at things like you know everything she has been through but not seem like you're doing it arbitrarily so you can use it as character motivation and you can reintroduce these friendships that she may have forgotten and this whole idea of the lost memories and the you know the the uh, I guess, propaganda that she's been fed by the Kree and this idea that she believes that she's one of them and the scroll of the enemies and and so, so on. So uh, how did you feel about that, the way that was handled, sort of her, her origin story gradually unraveling in front of us, Laura?
2: Oh, uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I think it was really well done.
0: Awesome. Great. Uh, so what about you, Toby? Uh- I mean, talking about origin
1: stories, you're right. We, it was a time where we had a lot of, origin stories. Okay. Like, phase yeah. three is very much half an origin story. Yeah. I think. So yeah, I I agree that that wasn't really handled well in the overall MCU context. Talking about this movie specifically, like it has a unique approach to it that we have to give it to it. and um, I think the unravelling wants to be more clever than it is like it's fine but but i think overall it's not as clever as i think the filming is approaching it
0: yeah oh okay i i I would slightly disagree i really liked it because i was wondering again being more familiar with the origin i was wondering how they were going to do it and so the gradual reveal that as I say that um, as soon as I heard Wendy Lawson as a name and I know that Marvel is Walter Lawson in the comics I knew that that was going to feed into the origin and I didn't realize how but the way that it cleverly tied that in with Project Pegasus from Avengers and the Tesseract that we'd obviously already now knew as the, the Cosmic Cube or the Infinity Space Stone and made that relevant and kind of um, in particular at a story level also fed that into like I said this idea that she became basically a tool for somebody else's war and the Cree kind of took advantage of that. I really liked the way that was gradually unraveled and the dawning realization that she was kind of fighting on the wrong side, I guess, as well. Um, yeah, but I can I kind of see where you're coming from if you kind of, you know, a, a lot of the stuff was probably straightforwardish. Like, for example... Jude Law being the bad guy wasn't that much of a shock, mainly because he's terrible in the movie. So you just kind of feel from from moment one, you just feel like this guy's an a-hole and I just want him to get punched. So, so yeah. Incoming transmission. Hey there, fellow Trekkies. I'm Mike. And I'm your co-host DK. And together, we're your guides through the vast universe of Star Trek. That's right. On Hit or Miss Star Trek, we're exploring the entire galaxy, from the classic series to the latest movies and everything in between. We're bringing you honest, but always respectful reviews of your favourite episodes and movies. We're not afraid to ask the tough questions or share our candid thoughts, but we do it with the love and respect this franchise deserves. Plus, we've got some fantastic guests on board. You'll hear from fellow Trekkies, social media sensations, and even some people working within the Star Trek universe. We had a blast talking about our favourite Star Trek moments with guests like Picard, production designer Dave Blass, animated series writer Fred Bronson and so many more. And of course there's the geeking out, we can't help it, we're Trekkies through and through. We'll dive into the minutiae of the Trek universe, debate the Prime Directive and laugh about the best bloopers. (laughs) It's all about the camaraderie here. We're building a community of Starfleet fans who share our passion and enthusiasm. We're not just a podcast, we're a crew. So join us on the Hit or Miss Star Trek YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's explore the final frontier together. Subscribe now and remember, whether it's a hit or a miss, it's always an adventure when you're part of Starfleet. Um, anyway, so yeah, any thoughts to, about that, Laura, with with regards to, um, you know, how how we gradually un- unveiled the origin and its slight differences from the comic, maybe? Or, uh, well, obviously you didn't know that origin, I guess, but uh, the way that fed into the Cree Scroll story.
2: Yeah, no, I love it, and, I, and honestly, it makes for a good rewatch in some ways, because you better understand some of what's going on, um, which I do like when a movie has good rewatch value, um, yeah. you know, it does definitely lead to that, and um, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, and did you pick up on a lot of the kind of, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty much a hardcore geek, so I was like you know, doing the Leonardo DiCaprio point at the screen meme when it was like, ooh, the Tesseract, ooh, Project Pegasus, oh, it's Colson and Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything. So I kind of loved all of these geeky references. Were you similar or did a lot of it go over your head, maybe?
2: Oh, no, I loved all of that, yeah. And and that's what did tie it into the MCU for me, like, without... I mean, imagine this movie without those elements. Like, it would definitely have not felt like part of the MCU at that time.
0: Yeah. And um, yeah, so Toby, what about you? Anything? uh, Did you notice any of these geeky things, and did you appreciate that tie-in?
1: I was really looking forward to the scrolls because we just Mm. came off of the secret invasion, (laughs) and it really highlighted to me how well done it is here and how not well done it is in Secret Invasion. So yes, you are completely right
0: because the the movie basically wants you to think that we're watching an adaptation of Secret Invasion at first when you're not sure if the scrolls are the bad guys and they are doing all of the infiltrating and the underhanded covert shape-shifting and stuff that we know they can do. So I think for me that's why it works as all the more of a shock when you find out that you are also equally prejudiced and it's like they're actually not bad. They're not doing any of that. They're just trying to survive. And like you said, that's handled so well in this movie and then botched so spectacularly when they do the secret invasion that it's just kind of like, guys, who dropped the ball? (laughs) Um, Sorry, you you, were were saying. Oh, sorry.
2: Oh, yeah, no, I'm I'm just shaking my head yes to what you guys are saying. Um, but the um the geeky thing I wanted to say I really liked was how just all the references to Goose being a flerken and, like, Goose being, you know, a threat. And, like, you're, like, you just know that's going to pay off during the movie, and you're, like, waiting for that to pay off, and then it does. It's cute.
0: Yeah, I, I will get into it again a bit later, The the way the MCU uses humor, and I like it. I know a lot of people are critical. But I did love that, that basically, like, Again, if I hadn't read the comic, I would have not known that twist, which I'm kind of annoyed at myself for knowing it because I knew what a flurkin was. But I still got the amusement factor of watching Talos, like freaking out about it (laughs) and knowing what was coming as Nick Fury's just kind of, oh, it's it's a cat. What are you worried about? And Talos like, keep it away from me. It's dangerous and everything. Um, Yeah, and I thought Ben Mendelsohn's performance in that as well as the kind of the genuine kind of comical fear of it was quite well handled. But uh, yeah, anyway, we'll talk more about the humor, I guess, later. I
1: want to go back to this class because I have just one more thing to say. Well, it's not really about this movie. It's more more about Secret Invasion because I'm loving to shit on it right now. But I think this movie also really highlighted how weird this gap between these two projects is. Like, it's not so far that Mm. you can go, oh, it's like a huge gap. So we can just fill stuff in, but it's also not close enough to really feel like a secret, it's like in this weird middle ground where it's like, whatever, it's so weird. Yeah,
0: it's that so is one of the things nice. I have an issue with as well. Is that setting it in nineteen ninety five really doesn't for me give you a satisfactory reason of like, and Captain Marvel's just been away in space for decades. Well, that as well, that, and... as well.
1: <laughs> yeah. that as well. The kind time gap between this and well Infinity War, well more Endgame, is also really weirdly long. I agree that as well. Like 1995, yeah. weird point to place it, and I don't know why. Kind of... Because I don't think it really takes advantage of the setting too much. Well, some reference here, some feel good. I don't think so. Like, like on, like on a, on a, well, not nostalgia, but on a. Oh, you know, just playing off this this time period thing. It does, but. There's no really justification why this couldn't have been, I don't know, at any other time. It's just, oh, this is a nice time period to set it in, let's just do
0: it. Yeah. You, I have to say, look, you probably are the youngest of us here, so you probably don't really remember the 90s. <laughs> it's safe to say it, and we do. <laughs> so perhaps there's something in that. Um Yeah. I kind of, I I half agree, half don't, but uh, that was one of the points I wanted to bring up. So I was going to, yeah, you obviously don't think the 90s setting was used well, but Laura, what about you? Did you think it was? uh,
4: Oh, that's one of the
2: things I love the most about the movie is the 90s setting because of all the nostalgia. It's just like, I literally, when I left that theater, I remember calling people and telling them Captain Marvel was made for me. For people like me, people who were born when I was born and people who are geeky like me, like it is made for me. And I've never, ever really seen a superhero movie that I really, truly felt like was made for me. And the nostalgia was part of that, like without the without the 90s setting, I don't know that I would have felt that way.
0: That's that was kind of sort of similar to how I felt. Like I said, with I'm vaguely closer to your age than I am, Toby. So I was like 12, 13 in 1995 And so, like I said, a lot of the music and the familiar sort of surroundings and stuff were, were familiar to me. But I do also think it makes good use because it kind of has to take you to a time where it's still feasible that Carol's backstory could be that, you know, they're not letting women pilot fighter planes and things. And so you have to kind of send it back that far and showing, you know, not that we're particularly a lot more enlightened in some places now, but you know, going back to the 90s, it was an even more hostile kind of environment for women and a way more sort of sexist world, I suppose. So I think, to me, it kind of used the setting well enough in that way, uh, which kind of came, it came off a little bit egregious at times, but less than it would have done if it had have been like, you know, uh, caricatured sexism from the early 2000s or something like that. but yeah, uh, with regards to that, though, how did you think sort of that it handled that aspect of like Carol obviously didn't remember her life on Earth. And then when she did, there's an awful lot of like, you know, having to fight against the patriarchy and men talking crap to her. And even, you know, the guy on the, the motorbike that she steals, who's like, give us a smile, darling, and things like that. And do you think that the film kind of captured that well enough in ways that you can relate to? Or did you think it was maybe a bit too heavy handed, Laura?
2: I mean, I think it it was it was making that point, you know, that of what the patriarchy does and it, the impact on females. So I don't think it was too much because it needed to make that point. And I feel like if it was any less of that, it might have been missed for a lot of people. And so there was enough in it that you can't miss that piece, you know. Yeah. And so I really appreciated it. And I do feel like, you know, a lot of females have such similar experiences, you know. Um, yeah.
0: That's the thing that kind of I, I didn't really want to comment on in regards to I know a lot of people and, you know, I probably can safely say mainly men had issue with scenes like that. And and it's usually the usual types of suspects and it's, it's kind of bad faith criticism. And as I was trying to look on the critical side of it, I was like, I get why you might maybe see a few of these are a bit too too far or a bit too cliche. But at the same time, I can't justifiably say that because I didn't live through that experience. And if you're telling me it's believable, unfortunately, I can believe that if you know what I mean, so it's kind of and like you said people if you if you try and be subtle sometimes people don't pick up on the obvious, and I think you you kind of needed that to be part of the story. you couldn't really not not pay attention to that as being part of this um which so in the end, it was done quite well because it was actually only when you think about it a couple of moments, and um I wanted to talk briefly about the one thing that really did hit me, which is the scene where Carol's basically being told by the supreme intelligence are, you're you're absolutely nothing. We are the ones that give you your power. You're nothing without us. You're only human. And then you get that moment when she remembers basically, yes, but as a human, I've had to fight and get back up every time I I fall and get pushed down and fight against patriarchy as part of that and everything. And I love that scene. It's one of those kind of great like hero finding their power moments. But again, I couldn't necessarily relate to it in the way that you might have been able to, Laura. And I was curious if it hit you in a similar way or not.
2: Oh, it did, and um, not not to give spoilers for Buffy, but it that's that particular scene where she's getting back up and getting back up and getting back up, like just reminds me of a scene that's right at the end of season seven, right at the end of Buffy's run. Um, and mm-hmm. so it the the impact of like I've seen this before, but I'm seeing this in another way, and I really like that. Um, so I I truly appreciated that scene um, immensely.
0: Did, did that scene hit you, Toby, as, as somebody obviously who it doesn't necessarily apply to quite as much, but did you still feel the kind of heroic moment about that? I did, I did, yes.
1: Um, I mean, I can't comment overall about the accuracy of, like, the sexism and, like, because first of all, I'm not a woman and second of all, not 90 so... Both, yeah,
0: exactly. Both strikes. <laughs> Yeah, you weren't around then, and you weren't a woman, so it's hard to really comment, but yeah. I mean, I but, can tell you from some of my experiences that that is, sadly, incredibly realistic, that, you know- the, Oh, the I don't doubt that, Whoa. I don't doubt that. Why do they call it a cockpit and give me a smile and all that? I mean, people on the internet basically proved it more right than they would have liked to I
1: mean I mean, the, yeah. the cockpit that was a bit... I think that was the one where I was like, that was awkward. Um, but I think overall, it, it's, it's uh, really making sure to bring the point over, but also not m- make it feel like comically overdoing it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It, it's, it's finding that nuance, and that, that's really, really great.
0: For sure. And one thing, this is the last thing I'll say on this, but I wanted to bring it up while I remember is like I said, I'm a huge fan of Captain Marvel, the original, Marvel, uh, the Walter Lawson version and I don't really care that they gender swap that character for this movie because as as the filmmakers have said in interviews and things, it's kind of it made more sense for Carol's story that she would have a female hero figure to look up to and that's kind of responsible for the origin and stuff and I mean part of me the geeky side of me is annoyed that that means we can't get you know the same exact stories of of Marvel and their exploits, but then again there's nothing stopping you telling flashback stories with Annette Benning as that character and I don't think it's a character whose gender is relevant in any way to to their heroism, so it didn't really bother me as a kind of comic book nerd um but I wondered if you guys were aware that they'd done that kind of gender swap and and how it kind of hit you with the with that character um Laura, let's come to you first I, I was
2: not I was not aware, um, but yeah, I definitely think for Carol's origin story, the fact that it's a female uh, kind of mentor character, I mean, I think that's great because I think, I mean, I think that's important because, you know, so easily, obviously in her career in, as an Air air Force pilot, like she would have had much more, much more easily found male, probably role models because there was just more of them, right? So the fact that she did find a female one to like look up to was just like I just think important.
0: Cool. And what about you, Toby? Did you know enough about um Marvell, the character, or was this all news to you as <laughs> well? I,
1: I did I did not. Um and I don't believe in the gender swapping as a problem cloud. It's it's weird. Yeah.
0: Like, I mean sometimes like I can people... kinda of get that the you know the gender might be relevant and you can't necessarily Say that they have the same experiences, but like I said, knowing Marvell as I do, the gender is completely irrelevant.
1: (laughs) But for every one example where it's really relevant, there are 1,000 where it's not. Yeah. 99.99%, it doesn't
0: matter yeah I agree and I think like I said from if I was making this film from a kind of film nerd perspective I would do exactly what they did which is to look at the way that it impacts Carol's story and her origin in the comics is kind of like she was basically romantically involved with Marvel, and then they have this accident and it fuses their DNA and she becomes parkry and everything and it's kind of like I really did prefer the idea of it not being a romantic relationship because it means a lot more that way when it's the kind of female mentor character, like I said. And it's to this version of the character, I think that really was a, a good choice and a good decision, even though some people might disagree. Um on a nerdy side, of course, I would I kind of got annoyed that it felt the need to shoehorn in an infinity stone as part of her origin, because that's got nothing to do with the, the comic book characters thing. It was just literally a kind of machine they were working on exploded and it fused the two DNAs together. I was also annoyed that they didn't do that considering that Marvel was right there during the accident and they didn't do that like DNA fusing part of it. It was just kind of the energy from the Tesseract that powered her then she got a blood transfusion from Yonrog inexplicably which was kind of like yeah you kind of you dropped the ball a bit on that one. There would have been nothing stopping you still using the and it fused our DNA me and Marvel. Plot line, you know, but again, I'm getting into really geeky territory. I think with that, so uh, yeah, um, I'll move us along a little bit to the. Uh, I think we've kind of touched on a lot of things. The this is a kind of a minor thing, but I have to say, it did come up uh, during some of the audience stuff that I'd accumulated and was looking at. And I have to agree with the people that are critical of it. I did not like the whole Nick Fury's how he got his eye gouged out reveal. It was just too silly for me, and I didn't even like the whole you know, playing it as a mislead earlier on in the movie and, oh, is this where he loses his eye and such? So I felt like that was a misstep. It was kind of humour that didn't work for me. Uh, and I'd love to know... And we'll come to you first, Toby, this time, because we've always come. we always been coming to you last time. We'll come to you did, you. did that bother you or did you like it? Or did you dislike it?
1: I mean, I I think in general the idea that this is some kind of thing that we need to discover is just silly. <laughs> like, ooh, yeah. where did you get it to? I don't care. <laughs> he has it. Yeah. It's fine. So, like, so when they did it the way they did it, I was just like, okay, whatever. Moving on. Yeah. Like, yeah. I did not care I about it. I think it's upsetting for people who did care about it, but I didn't. So, I didn't care about that.
0: I mean, I wouldn't say it bothered me as such. It just felt like I said, like a lot of this movie, it feels like they kind of almost retcon stuff to make it fit in. So along the same lines as like you said, okay, well, why have we not done anything with the scrolls for decades? Why has Captain Marvel just been away until now? And everything to me it was a similar kind of I don't think you can reconcile that scene in Winter Soldier when he goes, Oh, the last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye, which you know sets up this potential epic backstory that we didn't need to see, and then it's actually referring to we trusted this cat and it just kind of comes off as ugh why <laughs> to me um but yeah i mean i get it fair enough it was it, they probably thought it was funny but uh, what about you Laura how did you feel about that bit
2: uh, it didn't bother me but i definitely understand why it would bother somebody else like i get that yeah but it didn't bother me
0: that's fair enough. Quickly, just just very briefly, because I kind of already talked about this, how did you guys feel about the... Because I feel like it's something a lot of people miss in this movie is that, to me, it's a very powerful, as I've said, take on the nature of war and the use of propaganda, the way that the Kree are able to manipulate Carol so perfectly into fighting their just and holy war against these Skrull, who, as it turns out, are the actual kind of fleeing force and without getting into it, it's quite a relevant thing in the world at the moment as well, uh, but I feel like this movie explores that and makes us face our own prejudices in a really clever way, and that's another reason why I like the twist of, um, no, Carol the Cree are the bad guys, the stroller just looking to be helped, you know, they're refugees. Um, so did you guys kind of pick up on any of that, or, or was it just kind of like, well, it's a superhero movie, so I, I kind of didn't feel a need to acknowledge that. Uh, Toby, we'll come to you first again.
1: Um... I, I mean, I did pick up on it, and I agree that it's relevant now. But I also do think that it's – well, I, no, I, I want to say it's surface level here. That's not true, but it's – Yeah, what does well, it really well, get some, into some, – some stuff, some stuff about it is a little bit sidelined, where others is not
0: in this topic. Let's just say yeah. that. Yeah. Without, again, without getting to, into, you know <laughs> – so just dissing this show again. I think it's handled a lot better here than it is in Secret Invasion, oh, when sure. they have to kind of make the make the scroll bad guys, and you're kind of left feeling, well, what's the ultimate message here? Refugees are bad, and we need to take up arms against them. What what are you trying to say?
1: Oh, uh, the which, politics
0: uh, of Secret Invasion is. <laughs> <so> <laughs> oh, it's so messed. messed up.
1: It's so messed.
0: Yeah, it is. But again, but I I like the way it's handled here, which, like I said even in little moments like when carol genuinely feels guilt and talos just says look it's war i've done things that i'm guilty about that are horrific but what matters is now we're on the right side and we've saved people and i'm with my family again you know it's such a throwaway moment to a lot of people but to me i just really needed that couple of sentences of like both admitting their guilt in these in these things but acknowledging what was important um which you know that, that <laughs> you're not going to get into the full-on socio-political <laughs> nature of it, but I, I did at least appreciate that part. Uh, so, what about you, Laura? How did you feel about? Uh, can can I add one thing? Of oh, course, yes, sorry, go.
1: I want to add one thing. I think on the on the sides of the squads, of the refugee sides of the squads, it was very much played out. Uh, I just think on the, mm-hmm. on the on the on the propaganda side, it was a little bit glossed over.
0: Yeah, and I think that relates to the fact that I don't think any of the Cree characters, other than ironically Marvel, are particularly well handled. They all kind of come off come off as two dimensional and just kind of yeah. moustache twirly, I guess, in a lot of ways. And yeah, um, but again, we can we can talk about that maybe later. But what about uh, what about you, Laura? How did you feel with regards to that?
2: Well, I mean, I think you know it is it is there. I like that they bring up propaganda with war and how that can impact people's, you know, willingness to, you know, really commit horrific yeah. things. But I will say, of course, the MCU did that with aliens and two different alien groups and not like the United States. And I'm like, that's yeah, well, because the they MCU did try to do
0: that in, um, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they tried to address it with people and then again just botched it at the end of kind of like, but we need this person to be a bad guy. So even though they're justified, now they're going to well, go think, too far. You know.
2: <laughs> well, I think the MCU, the, you know, the the heads of that, the big, big bosses, you know, they have to keep a certain relationship with the United States military so that they can kind hmm. of film and show things that they want to and they don't want to have limitations. But in doing that, they do limit themselves and the, that they can't be as critical as maybe they would like to.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Because obviously, I mean, the United States has, I mean, I guess I mean, I'm speaking as a United States citizen, we have a lot of propaganda around the military, you know, so.
0: Yeah. That's a no, I, don't, I certainly don't mean to just attack the United States. I mean, like, generally, I think us in the oh, Western yes, world, sure. we are very... Um, yeah,
2: sure, you know, we, I'm sure elsewhere too, but I wouldn't speak about yeah. elsewhere because I don't, you know, live there.
0: Absolutely, so. but I think, like I said, a lot of the time we are tried, kind of false fed by our government, this black and white idea and this whole like, immigrants are bad, don't let them come in here, they're all, you know, gonna do bad things and they're, they're just evil, which is why I didn't like that last sort of moment in Falcon Winter Soldier when the character had been right the whole time and then goes too far so they can be a villain. Or like I said, Secret Invasion, which is basically Turns out we should never have trusted the scrolls and we shouldn't have actually given them a safe refuge here because look what's happened now. And I'm just kind of you're really botching whatever message you're trying to get across, which, like I said, I appreciate was so well handled in this movie. Um, but, yeah, again, <laughs> we should be here all day talking about every MCU project. And, uh, yeah, so I have a, just a quick uh, pile of notes that I wanted to just go through on the writing before I get to that. Though, Did you guys have any last thoughts you wanted to bring up?
1: Yes, one one thing. Well, we talked about how the military staff relates to the United States. I just want to add a note that the refugee staff relates to Europe a lot. Hmm. Just throwing that out there, so there is that relation as well, how it's handled here and how it's, well, in reality.
0: Yeah, it's, not it's reality. a very hot-button topic, and it is, especially in this country as well, with our, you know, very right-wing conservative government. They are you know trying to do all of the bad things and stop people from coming in and, and demonize immigrants because sometimes people need somebody to be scapegoated against and let's not get into the whole brexit thing and everything but yeah certainly like i said i think uh, there's there's a, a discussion to be had and i didn't expect a marvel movie to get fully into it but what it did do i really appreciated and thought it handled quite well um so what about you I, Any other on the writing though <laughs>
2: Uh, I, I mean, I agree with what you just said about that it was handled well. Um, and, you know, I just, yeah, I thought the writing was really well done.
0: Awesome. Cool. Uh, well, I just wanted to quickly talk about, first of all, I, I've already mentioned, like, I love a lot of the MCU humor. So I did kind of write down a few that I wanted to just throw out there in case any uh, audience members can relate and just want to listen to that bit. So first of all, I do love when Carol first arrives and she meets the kind of security guard and asks, you know, from her perspective, she's thinking like this outer space Cree captain. And she's like, are you in charge of security for this area? And his brilliant response of, well, kind of, the movie theater has its own guy, which was just one of those like little subtle things that really made me laugh. And then when she says, you know, do you have any communications equipment? And he points to a radio shack (laughs) or um, as they're arriving to earth, the rest of the Cree. And they you know figure out that's where she is. And I think it's um Jon Rog says, Have you ever been to C53? And um Minerva replies, once, it's a real shithole. <laughs> Which again, simple humour, but sometimes that's all it takes for me. Um let's see, what for the anything else that I wrote down? Um did not love the joke about checking out the dead scrolls, genitalia. That's just humor that's silly to me, It's <laughs> just ridiculous. Um, but did love Carol calling out does announcing your identity on clothing help with the covert part of your job? <laughs> Which is also something I wonder about places like S.H.I.E.L.D. Because it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're fully covert, but we have our name just printed on the side of all of our vans and things. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Uh, Oh, that's, the, yeah, the, the last thing I want to bring up then quickly is, because we didn't mention it with the kind of geeky stuff, but I really love um, the way, it's very small, but the way that this movie folds in two characters from Guardians of the Galaxy. So you see Korath the Pursuer is one of Star Force, and then obviously when the accusers get called in, they're led by Ronan. Um, and I just really appreciated, like, oh, cool, That's it's um, growing out this universe because they could really have used any characters for those, but using the same ones was a nice moment of recognition. Uh, did you guys feel the same way? Toby, did you notice?
1: <laughs> I mean, I did not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, well, I did recognize them, obviously. And yeah. I have eyes. Uh, I think it was a nice touch, and but I also
0: liked how it
1: kept it brief and concise and just did the short thing and moved on from me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I liked, I think Jaimon Honsu was kind of, kind of good and did a lot more in his little... Sort of Starforce bonding moments at the start than he got to do in Guardians of the Galaxy. But yeah, Ronan was basically there to look menacing, but he's good at it, so it kind of worked for me. Although I did kind of get annoyed at the whole, we'll be coming back for this woman thing, which can't go anywhere. <laughs> and I was kind of like, that's just gonna sit there. Huh? No, no, but we, we know it didn't happen and we know that Ronan's now dead. Spoilers for Guardians of the Galaxy. So like, what are you referring to with that setup? Um Anyway. So uh, if that's uh, enough talking about the writing and the plot, I want to quickly move on to the acting then. And uh, obviously the first person we should probably talk about is Brie Larson. So how do you think she did? And uh, are there any kind of highlights or lowlights you wanted to point out in the movie? And Laura, I'm going to come to you first, because why not?
2: (laughs) Yeah, um, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I definitely think Brie did a great job because it was like a complex thing of showing a character Like learning about themselves again and reconnecting to past memories, and I think she just did a really good job of that. Um, And even like that example of how she clocked the older woman walking into the train, and that's how she knew it was the, you know, scroll, right?
3: Scroll, Scroll? yeah, yeah. (laughs) I kind of mix
2: up pre and scroll, and I'm like, oh no, don't do that. That will be so bad. Um, (laughs) But yeah, she, um, you know, like that's like uh, her. She's very observant and intelligent, and you know, like the way that she knew Nick was causing trouble when he looked at his, you know, pager and was like, I'll be back. And she's mm. like, okay, that's not good. I know what you're doing. Um, so, yeah. you know, I just really think she did a great performance. Uh, I think she really embodies the character in a lot of ways. And I do kind of wish she hadn't, you know, this is just a, a a wish list, like, but I do wish she hadn't been allergic to cats because I love her and Goose. <laughs> so I would have liked yeah. to have not had that limitation that her allergies presented, but that, of course, is not her fault. So it is what it is.
0: Yeah, yeah I guess. Well, they did a little bits with the puppet, and it seemed to work. So, yeah. <clears throat> so what about you, Toby? How do you think uh, Brie Lawson handled the, the Captain Marvel role?
1: I think she was good. Not not amazing, I'd say. I, th- I think the beginning moment, I mean... I guess maybe it's supposed to be, but it felt a little, it felt a little wooden before she came to Earth. So I, was I like, noticed the
0: same thing, but I figured it's for a plot reason. Yeah. Because the whole point is that she's basically being told, don't be emotional constantly by Yon-Rogg. So I kind of felt like, yeah, I'm with you. that came across like wooden and not being able to display emotion, but I think it was yeah. deliberate, maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure about that. I just thought... Mm. I don't know if this is working for me. It did. She was a lot better later on when we came Mm -hmm. to Earth, but especially in the back half of this movie, where it's where really the emotional scenes are happening, she is
0: really good. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and I think she's a fantastic actress. And I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna lie and say this is her best performance. If you've seen things like Room or, uh, you know, various other award-winning performances, but I do think the criticism of her from, you know, a lot of the time from, again, bad faith critics, is not super justified, because like I said, I I pick up on it like you, Toby, that for the first I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes whatever, she seems very flat, but like I said, I I put that down to plot reasons and after that, as I was looking trying to be critical and see what these people are saying, I was kind of like, I just, I dig the character I think she's charming when she needs to be she's funny, I fully believe her relationship and her bond with um, Maria and Monica and yeah i mean even as i was like well it's really powerful for me not just that moment when she's i'm only human but look at me get back up that moment when she's called veers and she actually has a tear like rolling down her cheek and says my name is carol it really hit me and i was like that's really good acting and people are just always like oh she can't emote she's terrible in this role and i I do not see that at all um yeah (laughs) that's all i really want to say about that anyway So uh, the next person I have on my list then is Jude Law, who I know in the audience response takes a lot of flack and I kind of have to agree. He's, I guess, standing as the typical mansplainer in some ways. But not only is he quite a detestable character, I just don't think he's particularly good as an actor in this movie either. Um, I feel bad saying that about any actor, but I just think he did come off very much like... What, what are you doing here? What are you trying to be portraying? Cause I never believed you when you were supposed to be, you know, the great hero type that convinced her. And I just always wanted you to get punched in the face. So yeah. Uh, what about you, Laura? Did you feel similar about uh, 2 Law's character or?
2: Yeah, I pretty much wanted him to get punched in the face, exactly. And it just felt <laughs> like it wasn't quite, you know, wasn't, it wasn't a fully developed character, you know, like something was yeah. lacking. Um, So, like, which, I mean, maybe isn't a bad thing because maybe he was meant to be, like, a simple villain, like, at the end of the day.
0: Um, But I think it's true what we said, though. Like, the way that there's such depth given to the scrolls, there's no real depth given to why the Kree are the conquering force that they are and why they want to kind of... We don't get any justification even by their way of thinking. It's just very much, well, they are the conquering force and they want everyone to be part of them and they are just... You know, they're, they're the bad guys, in quotation marks, and that's all you need. And I would have liked a bit more, you know? Um, Me too. Yeah, although I did like that she at least kept him alive at the end, which rarely happens with the MCU villains, and uh, I had forgotten that she does that and kind of thought, hmm, does that mean that we might see him again? Might he even be in the sequel? I'm intrigued to, to know her. So, uh, So what did you think of Jude Law in the movie, Toby, anyway?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a particularly good performance but i also think the script is really letting him down and robbing him of yeah any and every nuance that could be there it's like it's so simple i mean the script is so simple with him so i don't blame him that that there just isn't a lot of nuance to find and how are you going to execute that i mean there's there are actors that can do that but They're not supposed to fight the nuance. The nuance should be in the
0: script as well. Completely, and I think it it stands out more because the MCU do have, at this point, at least they were introducing some really good villains. Like, a lot of people were kind of on the Thanos' right, kind of at least he's got a motivation and a backstory. And we just had Killmonger. And even, like, um, I forget the actress's name, but the actress who plays Ghost in Ant-Man and the Wasp is, to me, a really good actress that did that part very well. And then in the middle of all of that, you just landed with this Jude Law being... I am nasty and a man. And that is the extent of my character that you will know, you know. It's kind of, oh really.
1: And there's also no fun in this, really. Like like when you yeah. also think I don't do you think he was fun in this movie?
0: In any I way? think that's fun to be had. I don't think he's fun, but I think like I said, it's so satisfying when he does actually get you know, his, his comeuppance at the end of it. So there's fun to be had with that. But yeah, I don't think the characters... Yeah. And I think that the writers probably thought there was fun banter between him and Carol, which just isn't. The way that they're kind of like, oh, who do you see? Is it is it me? Oh, you'll never knock me out. And I'm kind of like, this is just really flat for me. There's there's no chemistry between these two at all.
2: Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. that they thought there would be chemistry between them, and there wasn't.
0: Yeah, that's okay. Fair enough. Um, so the next character I want to talk about is Annette Benning, because... I feel like she doesn't seem to be talked about a lot. And she's obviously a quite like renowned and well-known actress. And watching it back, I was like, do you know what? It's amazing that she plays two so completely distinct roles and manages to do both brilliantly. Like, I fully believe her as the, the mentor that Carol could look up to and be this kind of affectionate figure in her past. But she's also really menacing as the supreme intelligence when she's taunting her at the end as well. And I was like, that's not easy to do within the same movie, looking exactly the same. And I feel like she gets forgotten, and it's not necessarily fair. This is a good, like, okay, she's not in the film much, but it's a really great character performance of two roles that are pivotal to it. And I was curious if you guys felt the same way. Um, Toby, what did you feel of uh, Annette Benning's dual role?
1: Um, I mean, I agree we have to give credit for playing two worlds and playing both of them good i do think Marvel is clearly the better role of her in this movie yeah by 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 quite a bit i think the supreme intelligence i think it she, she did the job she needed needed to do but it didn't went above and beyond like i think Marvel did
0: yeah I quite I thought it was quite good because, like I said, there's so so nothing to the rest of the crew, even with the good actors that are in there in, in the Star Force, That when she actually put a little bit of I guess put a bit of stank on it, and she was oh music too. Oh look at this! You've oh you've got your memories back, and she genuinely came off as like she, she's villainous, but she has a bit more to it as opposed to just I am here to be bad and flat and one dimensional. So I thought she did a really good job. Although I did, as a real hardcore nerd, miss the kind of big. Blobby blue head for the supreme intelligence that we'll probably never get to see because it looks ridiculous. But you know, it's comics. What do you expect? So, anyway, um, how did you feel about Annette Bening's role in the in the movie? Laura.
4: Um, I mean,
2: I think she was brilliant. What a what a great actress. <laughs> she can't do wrong. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It but used... I will say um, about the supreme intelligence. And maybe I should have mentioned this earlier. But like, as a, I'm a mental health counselor, and um, in my my job in life Um, and and so like something that gets in your head that way and like uses like what it learns about you against you is like kind of like the most evil thing in my mind that can happen you know so yeah is definitely an interesting you know character i guess if you call it that i don't know what you call it
0: yeah i think i would and i think like i said it kind of There's shades of almost Hannibal Lecter there. Like, she's not posing a physical threat, but like you said, she basically – the threat is that she can get to the very core of your insecurities and use everything you are against you. And, yeah, and and yet you can't fight her back, as we saw when she tries to just punch her way out of the problem. It just basically, you know, dissolves through her face and it's like, well, bless you for trying, but you're not going to be able to do anything. And literally the only way to defeat it is, like, the way you defeat fear by just saying – Yo, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm well aware of my self-worth and there's nothing you can do about it, um, which is cool. And then, of course, you get cool binary powers and things coming out as well. So That's great. Um, yeah. Uh, so the next person on my list was Lachana Lynch, who I think, uh, again, very underused but made a really big impact for me in quite a relatively small role as Maria uh I think she probably did come out of it quite popular because I remember her being talked about a lot off the back of the film and then of course she got to play a female 007 in a Bond movie and she got to briefly appear as an alternate Captain Marvel in the movie that shall not be spoken of talking of MCU disappointments um but yeah I really really liked her and I really was sold on the relationship between her and Carol uh, did you feel the same way Laura?
2: Oh, absolutely. It really is one of the main things that made the movie for me, because like, you know, female friendship, you don't really see it a lot on screen enough, in my opinion. And um, so it was really well done. It really, you know, felt very much like how I feel about my bestie, you know.
0: Yeah, and I love, it's not on my favourite uh, scene and, or, or line, so I hope it's not on anybody else's and I'm not stepping on toes. But I really love that scene when Carol really isn't sure of who she is and says, even I don't know who I am. And it's Maria that steps up and says, you're Carol Danvers, you're the strongest woman I knew even before you could shoot fire from your hands. And I was like, oh, that is exactly how a best friend would and should react to you. And it's just such a sweet moment, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Toby? How did you feel about the character and the actress?
1: I think she is the scene stealer. She is the star of the movie. Um, I I no notes, amazing.
0: No notes. See, <laughs> I, no. I think uh, I didn't look up the actress's name, but the actress playing the young Monica was also equally great in a yeah. very small role. I agree. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so
2: well, and with of- her the the daughter Monica now, and knowing her, she's photon coming up for the Marvels. You know. Um, of course, that's really one of the biggest reasons I'm so annoyed with Secret Invasion because I feel like the Captain Marvel kind of set, you know, Monica up to potentially have this great friendship with a scroll little girl. And like, clearly that's not the mm. situation.
0: Yeah. And it would have been, again, a lot more considering they used the character of Gaia. Um, they could really have done something with that. And again, not featuring her in it is another misstep. But Again, we'd be here all day. <laughs> um, so moving on to the kind of the, the MCU returnees, uh, we'll we'll lump them together and we'll see how did you feel about Samuel L. Jackson, who for me is basically the co-lead for Nick Fury. And although he's not in it much, uh, Clark Gregor's Phil Coulson, who's always nice to see. Uh, Laura, what did you think of those pair? <laughs>
2: I mean, um, certainly the friendship between Nick Fury and Captain Marvel is also really great. I mean, not quite the same as that female <laughs> bestie friendship, but yeah. it's definitely nice to see their banter, um, that kind of humor. I I love it, you know. Yeah, um,
0: the chemistry that we needed from her and Yon-Rogg, I feel like, is there with her and Nick, like in the bar when they're talking about, like oh, how can I prove you're not a Scrolls Skrull? can't do that. And tell me something odd about yourself. You didn't need that, did you? No, but I enjoyed it. You know, those little moments are so much more charming than anything she gets to do with Yonrog on, on the Kree ship and things. And anyway, sorry to, to oh, put in there. Yeah,
2: so true. And I think that is partially because of the flat performance by Jude Law. I hate to say that because yeah. like, I think it could have been there potentially. Um, but yeah. yeah, but, and then, um, Colson, I mean, I'm a huge Colson fan. I just, he makes everything better. <laughs> I'm never annoyed when he shows up. So, seeing oh, yeah. him and kind of seeing him, you know, in his early career, just like it was nice to see Nick Fury in his early career. It was really nice to see Colson in his early career and see yeah. what that was like.
0: Although we didn't see much of him, I really did love, and again, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., best thing the MCU's done. Everyone needs to go watch it. Um, I did love that um, Colson got that moment when he basically had a chance to uh get dub them in I guess or uh admit that he'd found them and realized you know they're compromised and so he just kind of oh nobody here and he lets them go and I was like yay Colson being a hero you gotta you gotta love it. <laughs> How did you feel about the uh the, the two shield agents shall we say Toby
1: I agree first of all I agree with everything you said. Um I for some reason completely forgot that Colson is in this so I was watching and was like Wait a minute! Is that him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is him! How nice! There was a complete surprise yeah. moment for me because I, I mean, he, we already talked, it. he doesn't get that big of a role, so no. I kind of forgot he was in it. But I really like that he was in it. So it I, nice. I also
0: thought it was really it was very well played the moment when it's revealed to the audience and the characters that it's not him; it's the scroll. Because Coulson contacts Fury, and he's kind of like, "Well, I'm done, sir. Where did everybody go? Um, I've surveilled the area, and Coulson's like in the seat of the car next to him." And yeah, I was like, "Oh, that's really good, isn't it?" (laughs) Which they do a lot in this with the kind of identity, the scrolls assuming shapes, things. They do a lot of good stuff with it here. Great. Oh, the uh, so <laughs> moving to the sort of the what what we thought was going to be the villain of the movie, but it's a misleader, which has been Mendo Mendelssohn playing Talos. Which I don't know why they pronounce it like that, and it bugs me no end. But that's how they do it, so I'm going <laughs> to have to follow them. Uh, so yeah, how did you feel? I thought he was fantastic in this. <laughs> um, so yeah, did you think the same way, uh, Toby, as, of Ben Mendelssohn as, as Talos? <laughs> I agree. I think he was fantastic, and I'm.
1: The there is I don't know how much makeup and prosthetics are involved in it. But
0: oh, a lot. <laughs> the, the,
1: the ex the expressions of him as Taylor's. Oh my god! Oh my god! Amazing! Mm. Like
0: yeah, immersing so through all of that prosthetics,
1: through all that. Uh, great, great, especially in the back half, mm-hmm. uh, which again. It's kind of a shame how secret could
0: played out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely messed up, messed up uh, big time with that character. But yeah. yeah, I also think it was, I don't always agree with this fact, but I think <clears throat> it was good to, it was a good decision to let Mendelssohn use his own accent, because he clearly can kind of feel more comfortable that way, and I think it might have improved his acting, because it was so good and so emotional. And you don't have that extra layer of, except when he's imitating Keller for like that five minutes, you don't have the, the issue of having to fake a different accent or anything on top of that. And so I feel like that probably did help his performance. But again, I couldn't say for sure, I'm not an actor, but for me, I, I really appreciate it. And I didn't mind, I didn't care. I wasn't questioning, like, why does this scroll sound like he's from Australia? No, it's kind of, oh, well. <laughs> uh, what That's about you, Laura? To <laughs> exactly, lots of fans have a down under. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, Laura, what were you, what were you thinking about that? Oh, I
2: mean, I love that character. Um, I love the character. I love um, the connection he makes with the different characters and seeing, you know, him back with his wife is just, I mean, so great in the movie. So great acting. Great acting. Yeah, it is amazing what all comes through with the makeup. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Completely, especially as, as you said, Toby in the back half when he finds his family and he really can't emote. I have to quickly mention this my last note on the acting. Yes, this is Gemma Chan's first MCU role. She plays Minerva. Uh, it wouldn't be her last. She went on to play Cersei in Eternals. <laughs> Poor woman. <laughs> but, uh, she was not anything to do with why that film wasn't particularly good, by the way. I thought she was great in it. But yeah, in this film, she uses an American accent as Minerva. She uses her natural British accent when she plays Cersei. Um, But, yeah, you can see why they felt comfortable casting her again, because I feel like she just makes no impact at all. Like, she she gets almost nothing to do. There's one quick attempt to make her a rival for Carol at the end with the whole, I just didn't like you moment. And, yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) I wasn't feeling her character here at all. Um did you guys even know that she was in this or did you uh, did you care or did you feel it? Maybe maybe you disagree and thought it was a good I mean, Only
2: I only knew about it when um Eternals came out. Like that's when I learned that's the same actress. So like I had it really I don't know that I would have made that connection on my own had I not, you know, read something that told me that it was the same actress. So which I mean is yeah. kudos to her for her acting that she does that well, right? Um I do think yeah. her one humorous line, which I think you mentioned earlier with humor. Um, where she's she's like, Oh yeah, that shithole or whatever. I don't know what she says about <laughs> the planet.
3: Yeah.
2: I that's the one time she does kind of like make me go, okay. I like this character, she's or I like the humor that this character is presenting. Um, but yeah. yeah, but that's more of an MCU thing, probably, than that specific character, you know. Yeah. Like <laughs> L- later you do realize that she's been to Earth before when she was getting Carol, like that's when she's mm. been to Earth before. So that was kind of, you know. Kind of a nice throwback.
0: I think that was what bugged me, was kind of like it felt like she was very shoehorned into the now we need another bit of conflict for Carol to have. So the whole I never liked you actually ooh, pit women against each other thing was just kind of like, did we need it? It just felt very yeah, I, all it's right. what, I didn't need it. I
2: didn't need
0: it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, as I was saying, I think they also probably felt comfortable recasting or casting her in a different role because she's obviously under the blue, green uh, makeup in this as well, so you wouldn't necessarily recognize her. So. But what about you, Toby? How did you feel about Gemma?
1: Yeah, I, I agree with everything that has been said. I also would have not known this if I hadn't read it somewhere. <laughs> um, I mean, her character in the movie, it's its just forgettable, I think. It's just, she's there sometimes. In yeah, stuff. yeah. But it's just like, did, like I said, this character was just not very needed, and you you feel that she's not needed in this movie.
0: I think I could tell that about most of Star Force. I mean, when you think, and again, these are characters that have moments in the comics that I enjoy. But I mean, this film has like Solar, Atlas, Minerva, all these you know characters with. Bizarre alien names, they just happen to sound exactly like earth words, but you know, that's Stanley in comics for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they get nothing to do, really. It's just kind of like, oh, all right, you're just the muscle, I guess, whatever. <laughs> well, um, yeah, anyway, uh, so any last thoughts from either of you about any of the acting before I quickly move to, to get to the direction and the VFX and music, etc.? No, no, <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm gonna again. Trying not to uh, take up too much of your time. I'm going to race through this as quick as I can. So, first, let me ask do you have any notes, uh, any sort of thoughts or feelings about the direction of the movie? Toby, you've analyzed a few films with us. What did you think? Of
1: that? <laughs> um, I don't have any specific notes, really. I, I don't think it's bad direct. I don't think it's amazing direct. I think it does job fairly well
0: in most parts. And uh, what about you, Laura? Did you have anything about the direction that maybe stood out, or?
2: No, I, I mean, I think it was well-balanced because you had emotional moments and you had humorous moments, and yeah, I liked it.
0: That's fair enough. <clears throat> I should have said I actually forgot about this in the behind-the-scenes section, I skipped past it. That this movie is directed by Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, uh, which makes it one of the top five films that is at least partly directed by women. And it actually held the record for having the highest opening weekend for a female-directed film until it was surpassed this year. And I'll give you three guesses. What by Garvey? <laughs> <Barbie>. Yep. <laughs> I think, uh, it wasn't a hard it wasn't one. Guess. To that. <laughs> 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 exactly. That film was an absolute phenomenon. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I have a few notes about the direction that I can bring up. Just things that I'm to notice as I go along in that kind of film nerdy way. So first of all, I love the train scene. I like that it's quite kinetic and like twisty, and it uses the full 360 degree field of play the way everything is. So for me, it, it made it a lot more visually interesting than some of the, the more standard superhero type stuff. Um, apparently they were influenced by 90s action films for a lot of those sort of early action beats. And I can definitely see the influence from things like Terminator 2 and such in there, which I think they did quite a good homage to. Um, I like that it, again, whenever it's kind of part of the larger world of the MCU, I appreciate it. So I like that they used the same text to. Describe which planet they're on and stuff that they use in Guardians of the Galaxy, and they're also shown using the same hyper gates or whatever they're called to travel. Um, Yeah, I like the way that they handle uh, Carol kind of coming to her memories in the scroll interrogation, the way that that's kind of handled as a bit trippy and a bit non linear, and yet we also get uh, Talos's voiceover. I thought that was really well done. The The last note on that, I will say, is that I really, really love the final kind of when she's set free, the way that she goes full binary, and we get that kind of glowing power aura. I think that's handled brilliantly, and everything in that scene, and that fight is so well directed. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I'm going to move on to VFX then, but if you guys have any thoughts on the uh, direction you wanted to, to bring up, uh, feel free to jump in uh, after we've done that. Uh, so, on a similar related note, VFX... I have to say, like I said, the binary effects, very well done. Love the space scenes. Love the kind of dogfight that reminded me a little bit of Independence Day. Perhaps that was another thing they were homaging with the kind of fighter jets uh, through the canyons and things. Love all of the kind of representation of Carol's powers and the way that it's done. Uh, I love the kind of underwater zoom in when they go down to that particular planet and the way that the helmet kind of adjusts to wherever you are. Uh, but the kind of elephant in the room that I have to talk about, and should ask—I'm going to ask you guys first before I give my opinion. How do you think they handled the de-aging of um, Samuel L. Jackson and Clark Gregg in the movie? And Laura, we haven't come to you first for a while, so I will again this time.
2: I mean, I definitely wish it was better, um, and and I don't know if maybe it's because I know what the actors look like, so it throws me off, or if it's really just the technology. Um, mm. But I definitely had to like let myself not think about it and I shouldn't have to, right? Like, if the DAG was better, I wouldn't
4: have to do that. So,
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. And what about you, Toby? How did you feel about it?
1: I I agree that it doesn't look that great, but also it didn't bother me that much. I, I was okay with it for the most part.
0: I didn't think it looked bad, but maybe it's because I'm watching it on, like, really high quality. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I mean, I, I watched I job with you. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, Uh, but I'm like, they're not doing a bad job. If we didn't know who the characters were, in a way, like Clark Gregg was the easiest job because for some reason that guy just hasn't aged in thirty years anyway. So they just had to like digitally remove about three wrinkles, I think, and it was they were good to go. But with Samuel L. Jackson, I think it's because we're so familiar with him, and we can immediately jump back to like Jurassic Park in '93 or Pulp Fiction in '94 and know what he looked like, as you said, and we know that he didn't look that smooth or whatever in uh, in those things, but. What really kind of killed it for me is that, as, as effective as you make the de aging and, and you can make it really good, you know, it, it can almost work. What really sort of threw it for me was when Fury starts to run, particularly during the like records room scene. And I'm like, okay, I can buy that this looks like a younger man, but my word, this character runs like a 70 year old. Because he's just stumbling over and kind of, ugh, ugh I'm going to catch up. It's like, that's the one thing you just cannot deep fake is making somebody believably run like a younger man. So that kind of threw me out of it. That was the only complaint I had about that, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, so any last thoughts on direction, visual effects, anything like that? The um,
1: The... I mean all the visual effects looked generally good. There was not something that looked bad, but just from a design perspective, I was not really into the Greek capital. It was just color. Yeah. Yeah. It was just basic sci-fi. It's like let's find let's find some tall towers and like mm. it, it was not interesting. I was like this looks like 10 other sci fi.
0: I see what you mean. I didn't mind it because I'm like, I'll I'll watch any bit of sci fi and, and like it. But I see what you mean when you compare it to things like the way Xandar, for example, is shown in Guardians or yeah. the way that a lot of those planets are, are their own unique thing. I kind of get where you're coming from. Um, so, yeah. Any last thoughts from you, uh, Laura, about any of that?
2: <laughs> no, I'm great direction. Glad that they had a female influence.
0: Mm. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what Nia DaCosta can do with uh, the sequel, because quite enjoyed her Candyman. I wouldn't say reboot, sequel-ish, whatever it is. But yeah, requel. Let's go <laughs> and go with it. So, yeah. Um, the last thing then is is the music and the sound, which I wanted to bring up, uh, because, again, I hadn't realised this, but it's actually a female composer, which is a rarity, supposedly, in Hollywood as well. Uh, a woman named Pinar Toprak. And I will say, in regards to the score, I really like it. I saw some criticism of it online and by the kind of audience response. And for me, it's kind of one of the ones that made it onto my, you know, MP3 player or whatever. And I can listen to it and immediately recognize the cues. And I especially love the the actual main Captain Marvel theme, like the theme she gives to Carol. Um, and I wondered if you guys, how did you feel about the kind of the score of the movie and the way that's done? Uh, Laura, let's come to you. <laughs>
2: uh yeah i love the score i think the way the score goes along with the songs used is just Mm. it's really well done um it really adds to the storytelling and i'm very Mm. thankful that they did a good job with that because it really adds to the movie
0: cool and did you like it toby or did it just not stand out for you as usual Uh, i don't really notice
1: scores in general like yeah except when it's exceptional then i notice. Or when it's horribly bad, but when it's just fine, good, even great, I just don't really notice it, and it
0: didn't really notice anything. Yeah. I'm usually the same, but this is one of the ones that stood out for me, and I don't know why. I was just kind of like, I would like this score, because, I don't know, I just, I recognized lots of it, and I appreciate it, so anyway. Uh, but yeah, as I said already, most songs featured in the movie are sung by 90s female singers, and I have a list here of the songs, which are Desiree, as you've got to be, No Doubt's Just a Girl, which I love, by the way, the way that's used in that last fight. Um, Garbages, I, I'm, I'm Only Happy When It Rains. Waterfalls by TLC. What a Man by Salt and Pepper. Uh, and of course, Celebrity Skin by Hall over the end credits. And yes, I also picked up that not subtle, uh hint of the Avengers theme when Nick Fury decides to name the Avengers Initiative, which I felt very like, all right, we get it (laughs) on that moment. um, I can say, I'm going to jump us over to the main part now, which is the favorite character moment and line. Then we'll give our conclusion and our score out of five. Uh, Before I do that, though, do you guys have any last notes on anything at all that we haven't discussed already?
2: Well, one thing I wanted to know about, because maybe you guys saw it and I missed it, but... Watching this movie, I've never understood where does Goose even come from. I guess we might find out in Ms. Marvel. I mean, because like, oh, it, are um, in the Marvel we're gonna. But he just appears he, in the movie. I'm like, okay, wait, what's what's up with Goose? You know.
0: They do explain it, but it's very throwaway. He's um he's Marvel's pet. That's how um he, he's kind of oh, with okay. her in the Project Pegasus, and obviously that's why he's extraterrestrial because so is she. So yeah, it's, it was Marvel's pet, and then ended that's up in kind of shield custody and.
2: This is why you have to talk about movies you love with friends because like I I've <laughs> wondered that for a long time and never noticed. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Good
2: to know. It's like Good one to know.
0: scene or something when when Carol walks into the office and um I think yeah, Marvels like, "Oh, look, it's my my pet cat." And <laughs> that's that's it. That's all you get and then from then on it's like, well, obviously when Wendy Lawson is killed, then the cat enters into I guess Shield custody and then that's where um, Fury and Carol find later where they are, in the records room or something, when they find the cat, so, yeah, right. anyway. <laughs> um, I, I don't think it matters, we just wanted to see Goose anyway, didn't we?
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm very thankful for Goose, Goose is adorable.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't mention any of the four cat actors during the acting, but yes, all four of them did a very good job, as well as the puppet, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, great so I'm going to move on then to the, the next bit Which would be our favourite character moment and line In the movie uh, So we're going to go around I'll go around to, to you first Laura Because again you're the newer guest So uh, starting with favourite character Who was your favourite character in this
2: It's hard for me to say a favourite character Is the, the question I have the hardest time answering Because I love all, so many of the characters um, mm. I think I think Maybe I'm going to give it to Monica
0: Monica she or just, Maria which one <laughs>
2: Oh yeah, no, I meant Maria. Did I say Monica? I meant okay. Maria. You said Mar- Monica.
0: Always do that. I do that all the time.
2: <laughs> too, I'm just too excited for Marvel. It's The movie coming out. Yeah, um, but no, Maria. Have two
0: similar names though. Monica and Maria are so bloody close that it's uh, like the amount of times we've I mean, called each other. Then
2: <laughs> it is realistic, right? Sometimes you do like name your child something similar, so it's realistic. Okay. But yeah, but yeah, Maria. She just, she's just. I mean, I love her character. I love her attitude. I love her friendship. Like. She does like still every scene she's in and with her great acting. So I, am yeah, that's probably my favorite character.
0: Cool. I have to pick and what about, what about you, Toby? Who would you say is your favorite character?
1: I go along with this. I also say Maria. I think she was the clear standout of this movie. Uh, okay. Just, inc- just incredible. And, and also her, her whole story in this movie is just incredible. And there's so many great
0: scenes that involve her. Uh,
1: I'm
0: a fan cool i definitely see where you're both coming from i went a little more obvious and i said my favorite character was actually carol especially during this watch through when i was kind of appreciating it anew and sort of seeing what happened with the character and wasn't worried about what was coming next in the mcu or any kind of outside nonsense it was just literally watching the character for who she is and thought i was invested i i was i know some people probably weren't but for me i loved that character i thought she was uh, very well played and and i was you know captivated by the performance, I guess. Uh, So, favorite moment in the movie would be next. Uh, So Laura, you wanna give us your favorite moment?
2: (laughs) Yes, but my favorite moment just has to be when um, Carol, you know, stands up again and again, you know, seeing her in the different Mm -hmm. ages standing up um, and just like, I'm still gonna get up, like, you know, I'm strong and, you know, I'm just gonna keep fighting because that's what what I'm gonna do, like, that's who I am. That just moment is so powerful, and um, yeah, so it's definitely my favorite moment. Um, it was easy to decide that, and it goes right into my favorite line. You're right,
3: I'm only
0: human. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll hand up both together then. So, Toby, what was your favorite moment and your favorite line? In the
1: <laughs> well, I don't, have, I don't have a favorite line per se, but I have two moments. I kind of debate on which I like more because I think they're both really great. The first moment is when carol is with monica looking at the pictures about yeah. this whole photo album thing and she's kind of recognizing some stuff and others not and she's in this process and it's it's so it's just so well done so great yeah. and i really feel for her in that moment where you're looking at all these pictures of someone you, you used to be and like you kind of recognize them but also not and it's really great Uh, The second moment is when, before they're flying away, where Carol and Maria... Where Carol is trying to convince Maria to come with her, and Maria is not wanting to come with her, because she's a single mother, she wants to stay with Monica. And And you're gonna give it up to sit on the couch and watch Fresh Prince with me? Mm -hmm. I just think you should consider what kind of example you're setting for your daughter.
0: Cool. Um, I'm going to call that your favorite line unless you give me another one, because I think that's pretty good as well. <laughs> Anything else that you wanted to give or that?
1: That's it.
0: Cool. Uh, my favorite moment then is um, when Carol goes full binary on the attacking Kree. So basically when she goes into space and takes down the, the the firing missiles that they send off. And then all of the Kree accuser ships, just full kind of Superman stuff, which just so well done and so amazing. Um particularly having followed like that moment of finding a power and stuff. And my favourite line in the movie has always been,
4: I have nothing to
0: prove to you. It's just such a great moment of like, yes that is exactly how you find your power is to not like and now i have the ability to beat you without this it's just kind of i don't have to prove it to you dude you're a jerk and it doesn't matter to me what you think so i've always loved that well um, i'm gonna throw us over to um, our guest speaker again for the audience interaction uh, i'm once again being joined by sandra evanson who you'll have heard on our past soft classics episodes uh, she's gonna jump in and read our audience response so without further ado sandra take it away
4: okay Well, Michael Smet says, I love all Marvel movies. They are all great, and I will die on this hill. That is uh, Michael Smet. Uh, David McMullen, he felt the opposite. He said, it's awful. One of my favorite characters ruined. And yes, I still have the comics and figures, and did show us he has quite a collection of uh, Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel and Carol Um, Danvers and all the way back in the day. He's got quite the collection. So he's kind of an expert, I think.
0: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fair enough. I wish I could. I could have gotten into it a bit more with because I don't. I mean, I'm familiar with the comic book character, but not uh, as I said, kind of that familiar. So I would love to have heard like what was different in the movie and what he thought didn't get adapted well. But uh, ah, maybe if you, if you're hearing this, maybe pop it in the comments so we can have a discussion somewhere about it.
4: <laughs> Indeed, thank you, David. And Glenn Saville said, "I loved this movie. I think it was done really well and captured the essence of the comics. So really, that was one of those exact opposite." <laughs> opinions there Um, (laughs) one of our friends sourish guide gave it a three out of ten he felt the effects were meh nick fury eye reveal was meh acting villain story been done before all without being meh side characters were actually decent mainly the skulls and the visuals were meh and he also felt the soundtrack was generic
0: Mm, That's our friend Theo on the Discord, giving a a less than glowing review there.
4: (laughs) J.A. Production says he hasn't seen it in a while, but while I think it's okay, it's just Thor again. But there's some humorous moments, and Sam Jackson is obviously great. I do wish Captain Marvel had a more substantial character arc, though. It was entertaining enough on the whole three stars.
0: Thank you, Jamie.
4: (laughs) Lee David says, I can without a doubt say it was easily one of the films released in 2019. So I take that to mean <laughs> a forgettable film.
3: <laughs> yeah, fair enough.
4: <laughs> Greg R. Cooper, I thought it was good, but not great. Definitely could have been better and felt a bit shoehorned into the wrong place in the release schedule. About a 5 or 6 mm-hmm. out of 10 for me. I guess we'll translate that to 3.5 out of 5, maybe. Yeah. Um, Goose stole the show. That was from Nerdy Up North, a top contributor. (laughs) Can't disagree with that. (laughs) (laughs) Isaac Morataya said it was good and with a fun soundtrack, four out of five. Uh Sammy Bryce said she feels a bit half and half about it. There were parts I liked. I like seeing Kelly Sue DeConnick and parts of her arc. I mm-hmm. wish they kept to the source material. Carol is very important to me, and I felt they could have done better. And I know how that feels to have a, a character that you very much identify with. And I think for women, uh, Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel being one of the early com- strong comic book characters, I can definitely... Um, feel like like her opinion. I I can feel it.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I would love to hear, like I said, from somebody that knows the character a bit better than me as to what they felt kind of fell short and maybe the hopes for the future of the character in the MC.
4: Uh, Ben Hughes said the story and structure weren't good. They failed to make Danvers likable. I think they would have been better off making Jude Law's character more allied with her than opposing. And the choice to do essentially a flashback origin story was a bit lame. I still enjoyed it, but it didn't wow me. And I thought that was a pretty, pretty good review of it. I felt similar in some ways.
0: I've got to say, I don't agree with the um, Carol being not likable part. I don't understand that particular criticism, but again, maybe that's just me.
4: (laughs) And it could have been, you know, some of the offline stuff maybe fed into his um, appearance of her a a bit. Who knows? Um, Kenneth M. Sweeney said, my 10-year-old daughter absolutely loves this film, which is exactly what it was supposed to do. And I have to agree strongly (laughs) with with Kenneth. Thomas Labendick says, I really enjoyed it. Tyler McKellar gave it a four out of 10. He felt it needed a bit more action. Uh, hmm. Michaela Weatherall said, I liked it more than most Marvel films, but it's like them all. Pretty generic, rather forgettable, and too long.
0: Yeah, I think if you don't like Marvel movies, there was not going to be anything that would stand out from the back, really.
4: <laughs> really. Uh, Ryan Palmer gave it a two out of five stars. Uh, John John Hancock said um, he loved it. Brie Larson is perfect as Carol. It was a good origin movie. My only complaint was Jude Law. He came across as wooden, and several people got on to say they agreed with um, that, including,
0: last uh, including D.K. By the way, who agreed with that <laughs> on that exact feed?
4: <laughs> um, AJ's Movie Place gave the film a 2.5, maybe, like a soft 2.5. Mark Ewing said he enjoyed it, gave it a 4 out of 5. And Robert Ivers gave it a 3 at best, so he felt he was being generous with that. Uh, Douglas R. Reynolds enjoyed it very much. Rick Cowling said, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was fun. Um Insectio Lad gave it a five. The music was great, and there was this part where the char- one character has been asking for it and finally gets it. And Jim Miller says he really enjoyed it, gave the film a four. Kirstie Appleby said, I really liked it, one of the better Marvel movies, but then I never really delved into the comics. I did like the fact that in the flashback, Carol Danvers' dad was played by Kenneth Mitchell.
3: So Yeah, from
4: Star Mitchell Trek. <laughs> I Fran Donahoe said, I liked it. I didn't like what she said offset, but that shouldn't take away from how good the film is. Is it the best MCU film? Hell no, but it's solid enough. And um, that was uh, what we had from the audience interaction. And last but not least, I would um, have given the film a four out of five. I remember seeing it at the time. I thought, um, especially with little McKenna Grace and that part right before... Mm. Carol goes full binary and we see her um, get up again and again and again, how no matter how she got knocked down, she always got back up. And that resonated a lot with me. And I felt like it would with young girls in the audience and young, all young people in particular. So I really, really did like the film. And I did enjoy the time period setting, too, of the late 80s, early 90s. And I, I thought it was good because there was just so much opportunity for the, you know, getting to see colson and fury and and their kind of beginning story i personally i know you have a different opinion i or i think you do but i loved um finding out how he got his eye patch i thought that was, oh, so I funny. Thought that was
0: silly <laughs>
4: <laughs> and i happen to have an yeah. orange kitty too so the whole flirting oh no way was really really oh,
0: funny for me. i do i do love goose and i love the idea of the flurkin. so what's your kitty cat's name
4: it's Kitty. It's not oh, okay. too many names and um, just none fit quite like Kitty did. <laughs> ah, well, He's if Miss Kitty's right a now. good enough
0: name for Catwoman's pet, then it can do for us as well. So <laughs> Awesome. Well, thanks for that, Sandra. Yeah, quite a mixed bag, but I don't think anybody was overly offensive or anything with it. And uh, like I said, I'd love to know if the film hit for you, why it did. If it didn't, why you felt it was a bit lacking and what you'd like to see. And uh, we're all looking forward, I think, to seeing what the Marvels can do, especially with the introduction of uh, – the older uh, Monica and, uh, of course, Ms. Marvel into the film. So, yeah, awesome. Are you looking forward to that one as well, Sandra?
4: I am. I'm looking forward to it. I hope it's as fun as the last.
0: Yeah, I like the trailers and everything, and I, I don't think, uh, I, I don't particularly like Ms. Marvel the series, but I don't think you can look past the casting of Iman Valani, who's just so perfectly embodies that. Like, I love all of this energy. It <laughs> completely fits the character and of, I of think Kamala it was- Khan.
4: It was MCU for Disney, it was MCU for a younger crowd, so I could appreciate that aspect.
0: Oh, fair enough. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm going to let you go anyway, then. But thank you so much for uh, coming on board and uh, lending your dulcet tones to our audience response again. And uh, yeah, uh, are you going to be on an upcoming podcast? I believe we have a few uh, coming where people can hear you for a bit longer.
4: Yeah, we have uh, Dune in the works. Of course, that's a big undertaking. So we're taking our time with that one.
0: Um, yeah, the audience won't hear that till next year when the actual movie comes out. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we're gonna do it right but i i do like i do like that and yeah i've got a several several more coming up i'm excited about
0: yeah keep listening for the weeks ahead because we have a few uh, appearances of sandra adrienne or occasionally both at the same time so <laughs> awesome thanks again for that sandra and thanks uh, for having uh, back me back over to no problem take care <laughs> So then all that's left to do is for us to give our thoughts via any conclusions we have and our score out of five stars. And I'll be polite and ask this time, Laura, would you like to go first or would you rather not? (laughs) That's
2: fine. Yes, I would love to go first. Sure. Um, I give it five out of five. Um, Wow. Okay. Yeah. um, Because it just, it really hits all the beats. Um, Like I said, for me, and I know I know I'm a little biased because I feel like this movie was legitimately made for me, made for someone who was a female 11 in 1995. Like, um, it was like the movie, a lot of other things that I like kind of helped led to it. Like the way that, that scene, that's my favorite scene in the movie with her standing up and standing up and standing up is, is very reminiscent of a favorite scene in Buffy in season seven. So, mm. um, you know, I just, yeah, five out of five. I, 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 when I did a, I went ahead and at one point did a, just, you know, my favorite phase one through phase three, I kind of looked at the movies um, and just kind of saw where people what topped out. And that's how I know Avengers tops out at number one for me. Um, mm. But it's, it, you know, Captain Marvel is in the top three and I don't think that would be true for most other people, which is fine, but that's just how much this movie was made for me. And I do love oh, Carol. I mean, yeah. There's so much I love about it. Yep.
0: Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you said that. I'm sorry if I talked, I don't don't know if we got a sense of how much you love the film, because I was probably talking uh, a lot more than I should have for the rest of the episode. But yeah, awesome. I'm glad to hear that you you liked it. Um, So yeah, Toby, conclusion and score out of five, please.
1: Yeah, I went into this movie remembering, not really liking this movie, not hating it, but just having an okay reaction to it. And I think a lot of people have this, opinion about this movie currently and i encourage people to rewatch it because i think it's a lot better than it gets than it gets credit for like there were some minor things that i don't think were that great like the brushing over with the kree and like like just the whole kree side was mm. not very handled not handled very well yeah yeah but overall i think it's a really good movie and again, I encourage people to rewatch it just to get another opinion because, because I really think it's biased because of the time it got released and also also but the negativity possibly, yeah. it got released around of. I, I can also see how that hurt some yeah, excitement. Well,
0: like I said, there was lots of trolls around and it was getting review bombed and everything and people suddenly had an opinion about Brie Larson saying something that yeah. was very straightforward about how we should have more representation and got offended by that and it's the usual kind of nonsense, really, like I <laughs> said. I don't want to get too far into it in the episode, but I think it did hurt the movie and it's a shame because taken on its own merits, which is how I prefer to do it, I think it is better than a lot of people would, would admit, <laughs> but yeah
1: yeah and, and even if you don't buy into all this stuff just this negativity around it just if can affect you to just see this movie a little bit worse than it maybe is so yeah, yeah i encourage people to rewatch it i had a great time with it uh i i don't go 10 out of 10 because the crease stuff was really brushed over yeah. i wanted to deduct
0: a point for that
1: so we're going 9 out of 10. 4.5
0: 0.5 wow okay quite high score so uh i will give my conclusion score um sorry laura or if you're new to us i tend to have this written down so that i can kind of gather my thoughts and it's very movie magazine review style but uh, <laughs> i just said Uh, this is a film whose harshest critics were clearly the kind of people that deserve to be pissed off that nonsense aside i can't see how anyone can be too critical of this Mm -hmm. okay it's not the best mcu movie but it's way past solid and into good territory for me admittedly it's slow to start and the initial introductions and action scene are the weakest parts along with as you mentioned the way the kree are handled um but after that there's a lot to like from the clever adaptation of geeky comic book lore to some interesting plot twists and revelations the lead actress for me more than carries the film But with a pretty great supporting cast as well. There are the usual funny moments that I personally enjoy, some well-played dramatic personal moments and a fair bit of snappy, quotable dialogue. The direction I can't really fault, I dig the heck out of the action scenes and every intimate moment, at least after those first 10 minutes. Could it have been more faithful to the source, have a bit more action and perhaps be a bit more unique? Yeah maybe, but I think in part we might have just been spoiled because this is a good movie, that probably would be considered great a few years before it was released or released at a different time in the MCU. Uh, it's enjoyable. It's fun. Okay, it probably for me is isn't super rewatchable once you know the plot, but that's a fault I could see of a lot of origin stories. Um, but in terms of the MCU, it's definitely in the upper half of my MCU rankings, uh, and I went with a 3.5 out of 5. <laughs> so 3.5? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like, have I, expected I a 4. To, but, I, I, I was between 3.5 and 4, but in the end, I just had to go with, you know, the villains are not particularly interesting. And uh, like I said, that sort of opening part of the movie for me was very slow to, to kick off. So it was hovering between the two. I felt if I was, you know, if I gave uh, scores like Sandra, it would probably be closer to a 3.7, 3.8, but I'll go with 3.5 rather than uh, go too much higher. But again, if I watched it again, it might it might hit me a bit differently. I did watch it with a headache last night, <laughs> didn't help. But uh, yeah, so. I I, I was between minded. a four and,
1: and, and four point five as well, but I'm feeling generous always with movie
0: scores. Well there you go, that's that, that's kind of evened it out then. So so, I mean yeah, you I'll do what we usually you, do. You cannot
1: it, trust it. my number scores because they're inflated as hell. I... <laughs>
0: fair enough <laughs> I just I'm, just, good I'm, I'm just glad everybody liked it because none, none of us have said bad we've all definitely went with it, and uh, definitely cleared the kind of fresh rating so yeah, uh, we'll do what we always do like I said, which is to add those scores together divide them by 3 to give us our final score for the podcast and that comes out to a final score of 4.3 recurring, so let's just call it 4.3 out of 5 for Captain Marvel, which is a pretty good score I would say 4.3 out of 5 and very shocking to those naysayers that uh, criticize the film and a lot of people who maybe don't uh, haven't revisited it or haven't even given it a try. And I agree with Toby. Give it another chance. Give it a watch, divorced of that expectation and that kind of noise. And I'm very excited to see the marvels and see where this next chapter takes us. And hopefully they've improved some of the things that I didn't like about this one. And yeah, take it from there. <clears throat> So I'll get my tickets booked soon, no doubt. From uh, from time of recording to go and see that. So,
1: oh for sure. Do
0: you guys have any last uh, sort of thoughts on uh, anything related to this movie? Then,
2: no, I really enjoyed getting to talk about it. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome.
0: No, very, very much thanks for coming and uh, thanks for sharing those thoughts and opinions. And uh, sorry it was a bit of a long one. It's tending to be lately. But like I said, we have a lot to say and we're passionate about things we're geeky about. So, no, thank you so much for joining us, Laura. Hopefully uh, you've had a good time, I, I hope.
2: <laughs> Definitely.
0: Awesome. And uh, would you like to come back another time and join us to talk movies?
2: <laughs> please, please. I'd come back any time.
0: Awesome. Well, hopefully we'll have you on again then, and uh, hopefully quite soon. Toby, we already know we're going to be seeing you again soon, but thanks, as always, for coming on. We always appreciate you, and uh, you always give us some great thoughts and insights as well. Yeah,
1: and I'm happy to be back again later, but maybe later this year. I don't know if, if we're doing the live stream thing.
0: Oh well, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, probably towards the end of the year, we'll uh, between if the two podcasts, early... we'll have a kind of best of the year kind of thing. So, yeah. If not
1: it's... early, early next year, some point. I don't have the timeline in my mind.
0: Stay tuned because we're going to be here uh, for the next few weeks until to see you out the rest of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. Join us next week uh, for another top ten. We are doing the top ten video game movies, which is specifically movies based on video games. Uh, myself and dk will be back and we're going to be joined by i think two or three guests for that one which i won't announce because uh, we'll wait and see if any of them drop out and we'll announce it at the time uh the week uh, after that we're going to be looking at doctor who and the daleks to celebrate that show's 60th anniversary then we're uh, jumping over to the trek channel to do a trek review Uh, and then we're reviewing the movie Klaus with Adrienne which she basically strong-armed us into. We're looking at Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and we're rounding up the year with our Christmas special looking at the movie Scrooged. So if any of that sounds interesting please do like subscribe feel free to tip us using coffee uh, we don't do this because it's easy we just did it because we thought it would be easy as dk always says so uh, we appreciate all of your interactions with us please as i said if you have any comments thoughts feelings or you wanted to find us on social media you can always find all of our links in the descriptions below we're kind of on all of them so find us there and yeah it just remains for me to once again say thank you so much to our guests laura and toby for joining me here today thank you guys and uh, Yeah. Remember, in the epic words of Arnie, we'll be back. I'll be back.
4: You have been listening to the Silver Screen Podcast, hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Created, produced and edited by Michael Wilson. Behind the scenes sections and additional material produced by DK. Music by Timeless Journey. More information can be found at soundcloud.com forward slash timelessjourney. Follow the podcast on Instagram at silverscreenpodcast or look for the Silverscreen Podcast under Facebook groups. Links to all our social media accounts and more are in this episode's description. This podcast is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Silver screen. Hit or miss Star Trek. This has been a Mike's Podcast production. Copyright 2022. Thank you for listening.